avocados at the same time as you eat the raw carrots, then you're going to be able to help your body to make 12 times as much vitamin A, you know, just by combining the two. So I found that pretty interesting. You know, you can kind of up your nutrient intake that way and just by combining those. So I know they're very, both of those are very good for you, and avocados are a healthy fat. Um, the fat that's in avocados is, is considered healthy. Um, so that's something you may want to try. And carrots, from what I've read, um, and I can't remember exactly the name of the person, but it's a person that's well-respected, um, writing health books. And um, basically, it's like food as medicine. Um, but they, I have a couple of her books, and um, I think it's Jean Carper. But she said, you know, there were studies done. And I believe that if you eat, I think it's like two carrots a day, and I would make them organic raw carrots. If you eat two of those a day, you're going to decrease your chance of stroke, I think it's by 85%, just by eating two raw carrots a day. And I would definitely make those organic carrots, you know. So, um, you know, if you combine the avocados with the carrots, you're also going to be upping the amount of vitamin A your body can make like a lot easier. So anyway, I thought that was pretty interesting. And um, so he says, besides the benefit to blood and heart conditions, chlorophyll, like in the alfalfa, is most useful in the relief of respiratory troubles and discomforts, like in the sinuses and the lungs particularly. And mucus is the underlying cause of sinus infection and pains, as it is of bronchial and asthmatic conditions, including hay fever, and he talks about strict vegetarians who don't use cow's milk, grain, flour, and concentrated sugar products are not afflicted with these troubles. And definitely from everything I've researched, you know, I've read a lot and, and a lot of people talk about how milk, you know, has milk is what causes mucus, um, basically stuff in the milk. And I think it's the pus actually in the milk when you milk a cow or something. Um, so that can cause mucus in your body. And so there's lots of ways to get rid of that. Um, you know, when you eat hot peppers, for instance, a cayenne pepper or any kind of hot pepper or hot spicy things, that helps, horseradish root helps to get mucus out of your body. But he, he here, um, Dr. Walker, is talking about just avoiding, you know, cow's milk, flour, grain, and concentrated sugar products. And that, that way, you know, people that don't use those don't have that mucus problem, according to him. And so he says that sinus infection is the work of our defensive friends, the germs, trying to help us by breaking up mucus accumulation so that these may be eliminated from the system. So when you have a sinus infection, it's just your body trying to break up that mucus and get it out of your body. Instead of helping them by cleansing the body of the waste matter by means of col colonics and enemas, attempts are made to dry up the mucus and shrink the membranes with applications of adrenaline, epinephrine, or other drugs, even sulfur drugs, now known to be virulent and pernicious, meaning bad for you, are sometimes used without regard, consideration, or understanding of the eventual damage, injury, or danger 
resulting from their use. And that's not organic sulfur, but it's sulfur-based drugs he's talking about. And he says the most injurious results are essentially developed when the waste matter, consisting particularly of these drugs and of the sewage of the germ colonies, are allowed to remain in the infected and adjacent parts instead of being eliminated as quickly as possible. And uh, Dr. Walker says, we have in our body the most perfect systems of elimination if we will but get them into efficient working condition. So when you're giving your body what it needs, you know, you're cleansing it properly with like the colonics and the, the enemas he talks about in here. And, uh, you know, you're doing those things, you're cleansing your organs and everything and your colon and you're getting rid of the the rotting food that causes colon impaction and can cause colon cancer. You know, like think of all the meat many of you eat. Um, for those of you that are meat eaters, um, that's very hard on your body, and a lot of times it just sits there in the colon rotting away along with other food, but especially meat. And it's hard for your body to digest it, and your organs heat up and everything a lot. It's very hard on your body, especially if it's full of bad things like the growth hormones that give the, the animals and to fatten them up and, you know, to get them to market sooner. They cause cancer in the animals, you know. They cause cancer in us and in people that eat the meat. And, um, it's got, you know, they get all the antibiotics, so you in turn get all the antibiotics, which causes super bugs, super bacteria to develop that are immune to the prescription antibiotics out there and it's basically like they've kind of run out of antibiotics that work you know they're running out there's a lot of times they're so over prescribed and given to people when they shouldn't be when people don't even need them like really i don't think they need them at all because they should be using vitamin c instead because that's the very best antibiotic there is and it's for you know if you have a bacterial infection, it will work. Vitamin C works. Um, if you have a virus, it inactivates, deactivates, whatever you want to call it, gets rid of every single virus out there. And Ebola is a virus, okay? Well, it, it inactivates, deactivates every single virus there is in the test tube, and that's one of them right there, you know? So it's, it works in, you know, if you have it too. But you have to know how to take it, how much to take, and the proper kind and all that, you know. I'd be using the lipospheric vitamin C if it were me for something serious like that. Um, and for basically anything, the lipospheric vitamin C works, you know. You just have to take enough of it and often enough. You can use the other kind of vitamin C along with it, you know, the powdered crystalline kind. But anyway... Um, Tuberculosis, I know, they used to treat that with, uh, I mean, vitamin C works for that too. But back in the day, they used to have, they called them sanitariums, I believe, and it was basically sun therapy, you know. They treated tuberculosis with sunbathing and things like that. Um, a lot of people think that's good. I think if you were to go out in the sun, it's good to, to use coconut oil, Um I wouldn't use a sunscreen, and they do cause cancer, sunscreens do, um, and sunblock does and all that. So they're basically selling you those things to try to keep you from getting your vitamin D and the good things the sun does for you, you know, and keeping you healthy, and um, they want to block all that. And then they're making you put these things on that they brainwashed you to ba put your, you know, 
put all of your children and yourself, which cause cancer, you know, and then you're not able to get the, the good things from the sun, the vitamin D3, that the sun, you know, can help you to make and all that. And so then they, in turn, uh, I think these, you know, these companies that put out the sunscreen and everything that causes the cancer and the sunblockers, they give money to, like, the American Cancer Society, and then they tell everybody, oh, put on the sunblock because they're getting that money from those corporations, you know, put on the sunscreen. So that, in turn, makes more and more people have cancer, and then you're going to donate, or most people are going to donate to the American Cancer Society because they think that's helping to find a cure for cancer, you know. So it's just this big, you know maze runaround thing and and it's all designed to give people as much cancer as possible and to get as much money as possible and they're never going to have a cure all these years they haven't found a cure what have they found a cure for can you think of anything they haven't even found found a cure for the common cold but i'll tell you vitamin c works for everything so i'd be reading up about that you know when it comes to tuberculosis and ebola and every other condition under the sun. But, you know, stock up on it, too. Find out all about the different kinds, the lipospheric kind and the crystalline powdered kind of ascorbic acid. There's natural kinds of vitamin C, camu-camu. There's all kinds of different ones. There's kinds with bioflavonoids in it, you know, so you can get whatever is your heart's desire. But, um, you know, I, I definitely believe that the lipospheric vitamin C is wonderful it has saved people's lives and animals' lives, and so I'd be stocking up on that and the ascorbic acid that I've told you about so many times, and I would take the ascorbic acid in the water with the baking soda, half as much baking soda as the amount of ascorbic acid, which is vitamin C that I used, et cetera. And uh, so baking soda is another good thing for your health, by the way. I mean, uh, Dr. Mark Circus. He, every time his kids get sick, he puts them in a bath with baking soda. And during the Spanish flu, which wiped out a, a lot of people, hundreds of millions of people around the world got it. And it killed a lot of them. And who knows how, you know, maybe that was like a bioweapon from the Illuminati. Who knows? But anyway, a lot of people got it. That was highly contagious and all that. Well, the people that used baking soda and the doctors that gave them baking soda in water saved their lives, and they didn't die of the Spanish flu. So right there alone, that tells you, like, baking soda is a good thing for your health, and you can bathe in water with baking soda added. I mean, you can use, like, a pound at a time at least, you know. Um, But, you know... There's people out there with sodium issues, and they have to watch their salt intake and all that. So, you know, it's up to you to to look into all that, research it. There's a lot of good sites out there regarding that that whole thing um, that I tell you about. Uh, CureZone.com is a good one. Um, HealthyTools.Tripod.com is an excellent one. DoctorYourself.com is an excellent site to find out information. So those I recommend, and uh, there's lots more where that came from. But anyway, so you might have to watch the sodium content and the baking soda and all that. Um, But check with your doctor about everything, you know, and and do the research, too. Don't just take their word for it. But 
check with them regarding your health conditions always and and if things are safe for you to take. They're probably going to be against a lot of things, and they're not going to know about the health aspects with baking soda. Most of these allopathic doctors are not going to know about this. But, um, I mean, it's been used to get rid of cancer. I can't say the C word, but it's been used to get rid of cancer, and people have successfully used baking soda. Um, You know, uh, Dr. Tullio Simoncini in Italy, he's been using baking soda to get rid of people's cancer, but uh, I'm sure it's very expensive to go fly to Italy and have his treatment and everything. But I've told you for years about this man. Um, for one, he he treated his cancer with baking soda, and I think he used maple syrup. But you could use the raw honey or the raw, you know, organic honey, raw organic um, maple syrup would be the best to use. And either one of those. Um, and you could also use blackstrap molasses. I'd use organic with that. And mix it with um, water and mix it with baking soda. And some some people heat it. Um, the man that got rid of his cancer, he just stirred it with some water and baking soda. The I think he used the maple syrup. And um, he just, just stirred it and drank it, you know, room temp or whatever. But later he learned you can heat it on the stove. And I don't know, to me that would not be good to do. But... Apparently it works, um, but I would just rather just not heat it because then you're destroying the good stuff, you know, and in the honey or whatever you're using the good enzymes and everything, and the vitamins too, you know, by heating it. But he said, you know, either way works. He said that um, if he had it to do over again, he would probably heat it because it tastes better. But I think, you know, I would not be worried so much about the taste as I would about the good health. But he claims both work, and he's not the only one to talk about this. You know, um, I've told you about that, uh, the doctor uh, with the Vermont, you know, home remedies and stuff like that, and apple cider vinegar, and and he talks about this as well. Um, so there's a lot of people out there that have used this. Um, so baking soda is just a good all-around thing, good thing. Um, And it's good for, like, heartburn and, you know, different things like that, upset stomach, you know. That's something I would stock up on and have in my health arsenal and have when everything hits the fan and use it on a daily basis now, you know. I mean, there's, I'm sure there's, I mean, there's different ways you can measure your, your pH and the pH of things you drink and things like that, you know. And you can get pH testing strips and tape and stuff like that. And um, so I talked to you about Ted last week, too, Ted from Bangkok, Thailand, on earthclinic.com, another one of my favorite sites. And, and he, for years, has contributed to that site and been a consultant to people. And he, you know, has a background in chemistry, and uh, he knows a lot about health. Well, I told you that I just read when I was trying to help somebody in the chat room. They were asking a question, I think, about apple cider vinegar and uh, baking soda and how much baking soda to add. So I gave them some links, you know, that Ted had written on earthclinic.com, and I shared those with you all last week if you want to go listen to the audio archives from last week for my show. But um, I told you that I had read, I just saw live on the air that he had gotten arrested 
and I said he had a clinic. I said I never knew he had a clinic. Well, I don't know if he really had a clinic or not, but I was reading after the show, and apparently they're just trying to lock up Ted, basically, and I don't really know the outcome. I know he got arrested, but he got bailed out. So I don't know what happened, but they basically got him for practicing medicine without a license and some trumped-up charges, and um, I think he was just trying to help people like he always does, and he happened to have, like, a Royal Raymond Rife machine and three, I think, three others that don't work, but one that did work in his home, and so he had the, he had, like, supplements just like, you know, anybody would have that takes supplements, vitamins and vitamin C and baking soda and and things like that in his home, okay, for his personal use. They confiscated all that. They confiscated his um, rife machines and all of his vitamins. And a person that's a friend of his had a prescription from a dentist for their, their personal use, I believe, you know. They confiscated that. So anyway, I don't know what happened, but to me they just, I it seems like they just framed the guy. And so I don't know what's going on, but hopefully, you know, he's not still going through all that and and not in jail. I haven't been able to find out what happened to Ted. But anyway, Ted from Bangkok, as he's known on Earth Clinic, people know him all over the world and on health sites, you know, not just Earth Clinic, but other health sites, they know who Ted from Bangkok is. So that's kind of his American name. So anyway, I'm going to keep him in my prayers and hope that everything works out for him. And I kind of feel sorry for him because he has helped so many people. And now this is what they do, you know, when you do try to help people. And if you don't toe the line and, and try to poison people and murder people and make them sick and keep them coming back to the allopathic doctors and get them on the prescription drugs and all these different things, then they they punish you and a lot of times they'll murder you for it, you know, or make your life very hard and kind of unbearable. You may have to leave the country. They may lock you up, whatever, whatever. So a lot of people out there have gone through all these things. So try to keep them in your prayers and so anyway, um, you know, stock up on all these things and learn how to use them. And, you know, with all this Ebola, tuberculosis, and everything else, I think one of the things is they're going to, they're working on a vaccine, y'all, for the Ebola. And they're trying to make everybody demand it, in which that that's what they're doing. Um, so they're working on that. That's their agenda. And I wouldn't be taking that, that in my personal opinion, for me. We'll be right back, so stick around. Well, me and my lady had our first big fight So I drove around till I saw the neon light Of a corner bar And it just seemed right So I pulled up Not a stall around but the old barkeep Down at the end and looking half asleep But he walked up and said, what'll it be? I said, the good stuff He didn't reach around for the whiskey Pour me a beer His blue eyes kind of went missing He said, you can't find that here This the first long kiss on a second date Mama's all worried when you get home late Dropping the ring in the spaghetti plate Cause your hands are shaking so much And it's the way that she looks with her eyes and her hair 
American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Doc Mike's book, How to Practice Medicine Without a License. Be your own doctor for only $14.95, plus $2 postage and handling. Call Doc Mike Direct at 708-488-8887 or go to wakeupwell.org. That's wakeupwell.org. To order Doc Mike's book, How to Practice Medicine Without a License, Be Your Own Doctor, for only $14.95, plus $2 postage and handling, or call 708-488-8887. That's 708-488-8887. Order now.
Welcome back to New World Order Info. I'm Melissa Roxanne. And it's the last part of my live show tonight, Monday, August 4th, 2014. You're still listening to me on TheAmericanVoice.com. You can also go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com. And so I was talking about ice cream in the first part of my show. Had a lot of technical issues. Hopefully those are okay now. And I'm sorry if your ears got blown out blared or whatever, but that's what happened to me too. But I think we finally have it right now. And uh, so after that, then I I guess the second part of the show, I was talking about uh, the health, uh, you know, health aspect of alfalfa juice. And then I went into all kinds of different topics, but... um. This is a really good book, Fresh Vegetable and Fruit Juices, What's Missing in Your Body, um, from Dr. Norman Walker. He was not a medical doctor, but he had um, he was a doctor of science, and he just knew everything about nutrition and and the way our bodies work and and how to be in the best state of health and everything and how to get rid of different nutritional deficiencies and different things that are referred to as diseases, dis-ease of the body and all that. And so this is a really good book, and it's probably one of his most popular, although he has many, many, many popular books that he wrote. So, um, you know, he talked about mucus. I was telling you about that, and then I got off into some other things. But um, he was talking about the alfalfa juice, and I think I told you this, like, the week before last, but I kind of, it was near the end of the show, so I'm going to go over this little part again and then move on to some other stuff. But he says that, um, you know, our lungs must be free of foul air, tobacco smoke, et cetera. By the way, tobacco smoke or smoke depletes vitamin C, as does alcohol, as does sugar, um, and and, you know, Carbohydrates, uh, different things that turn into sugar once you ingest them. Um, stress depletes vitamin C too. So, you know, if you have any of those things going on, and different other things like pharmaceutical drugs, over-the-counter drugs deplete vitamin C and other vitamins. You know, a lot of these things deplete other vitamins too. In fact, you can have a deficiency because of any of these things. And if you don't supplement, and a lot of people's heart problems. Uh, and, and, and their health problems in general due to lack of vitamin C. They're not getting enough, and they have scurvy. They're in a state of scurvy and don't even know it. People think that, oh, scurvy has been wiped out, and we nobody has that anymore. Hardly anybody does. Well, Alan Smith had it. He ended up with the double pneumonia. He ended up with, uh, they said he had swine flu, and he, his pneumonia was so bad, they couldn't even see his lungs in an x-ray. It's called clouded out pneumonia in both lungs. They also diagnosed him with cancer, hairy cell leukemia. Well, he ended up finally getting six grams of lipospheric uh, vitamin C per day manufactured by Live On Labs at liveonlabs.com, and that's L-I-V as in Victor, O-N as in Nancy, L-A-B as in boy, S as in Sam, dot com. He took six of their lipospheric, uh, you know, vitamin C packets 
And in no time, he was healed of every single thing wrong with him. They had him on a heart-lung machine that was breathing for him and everything, an ECMO machine. And they had, I think, somebody come from America, um, a specialist regarding that machine. Um, and, And all these team of doctors and that other guy, the specialist, you know, about the machine they had him on for life support, said, pull the plug. This guy's going to die. There's nothing we can do for him. He's never going to get better, blah, blah, blah. I've told you the story. If you've listened to my show, you've heard me tell it. But I need to keep telling it so that I can hopefully get you to listen. And, um, you know, they didn't want to give him vitamin C in the hospital. They gave him some, and it helped him because his family insisted. They found out about it through the man's brother-in-law. And this guy was in New Zealand. He still lives in New Zealand. Alan Smith, if you want to look up his name, S-M-I-T-H, and that's A-L-A-N, I believe, Smith, and of New Zealand. Look it up. Type in vitamin C, Alan Smith. You'll find it, and you'll find videos. You can go to YouTube and watch the video. I've played the whole thing on my show. And it's like a 17-minute long video segment from, um, I think it's 60 Minutes in New Zealand aired it, believe it or not. I don't know why. I don't know how it got on the air because it's amazing that it did. And, of course, there's there's videos out there and, and these allopathic doctors and all these other types that are out there saying, oh, you know, I don't believe it. Uh, it wasn't the vitamin C that got rid of all the things he had, you know, and, and saved his life. It wasn't that. He got a lot of other treatments. Oh, baloney. It was the vitamin C. And if it hadn't been for that vitamin C, he would be dead, I believe. And, you know, I believe in the power of prayer and all that, too. So I'm sure that helped. I'm sure his family was praying for him. But And I believe it's God's will that he, if he lived or died, and maybe... That was due to God, then finding out about vitamin C. But they gave him six grams of it a day, finally, after the hospital refused to give him any more. And um, they were giving it through IV. They gave him a small amount. His body could only make use of a fifth of what he was given. Then they refused to give him any more when he got better after that initial vitamin C he received through IV. And um, so then they finally got an attorney. The attorney made the hospital give him the vitamin C, you know, got, got got the hospital to give it to him, but they gave him something like two grams. And it was the kind through IV. His body could only use a fifth of that kind. That That's just the way it is. And um, it's actually um, sodium ascorbate that they give the, through the IV. Well, I make sodium ascorbate at home and I just drink it, you know, instead of taking it through IV. That's what I do. I just mix baking soda and water with the ascorbic acid, and it turns it into sodium ascorbate. But anyway, so that that's the kind they give through IV. And um, when you take it through IV, though, you only get a fifth of it. So um, the live on labs kind, however, is a lot is a kind that your body can make a lot better use of. So it's just it's almost 100% available to your body versus only a fifth of it if you get it through IV. So it's just so much better and easier. So finally, you know, they had him transferred to another hospital. That second hospital wouldn't give him any vitamin C, and the first barely gave him any. He was getting something like 400 milligrams that his body could make use of, which is a joke, you know. 
Um, I mean, he needed so much more with his health problems. And he had deficiency of vitamin C, and he said it. He has said it himself. That was his problem. That's what caused the pneumonia, the cancer, and they said he had swine flu. So all those things, it's from lack of vitamin C, you know. His his immune system wasn't functioning correctly. I'm sure he wasn't getting enough oxygen in his cells and everything. Um, so, you know, that is a huge problem. And so the vitamin C got rid of everything, even cancer. And I was just reading another article earlier today, and, you know, a lot of people get high doses of vitamin C through IV to get rid of cancer, but there's an easier way. I've told you many times, and it's the lipospheric kind. It rivals the kind you can get through IV. So, And you're getting a lot more that your body can use, you know, instead of a fifth of it that you can get through IV that your body can make use of the vitamin C. You're getting almost 100%, definitely in the 90s, probably high 90s, depending, but or up to 100%, you know, almost 100%. So, and it's it's very inexpensive. I mean, each gram costs about a buck, $1, U.S. dollar. And, um, you know, you can get a box of 30. I don't get anything for telling you about it. They're not my sponsor. I don't get free vitamin C. I don't get a discount on it or anything else I tell you about, okay? But um, I wish I did, you know. I've never even contacted them to see if they would like to sponsor my show. I sure have given them a lot of free advertising, all these companies, especially Live On Labs, and I do believe in their product. But um, I think it's a life-saving thing. So if you want to check it out, you know, go to YouTube, type in Alan Smith Vitamin C, and watch that segment, and you can see. And you can type in Alan Smith Vitamin C and watch other things where he's given talks about it. And um, he's appeared with Dr. Tom Levy, who's a vitamin C expert. He's written many books about scurvy, the whole connection between lack of vitamin C, which causes heart disease and um, all kinds of health problems. So I would highly recommend Dr. Tom Levy's videos, his website, um, I think... I can't remember it offhand, but if you just type in Tom Levy, L-E-V-Y, M-D, and that's L-E-V as in Victor, Y, M-D, Tom Levy, M-D, dot com, you'll get to his new site. It redirects you to his new site, his newer site. It might be primalpanacea.com. But anyway, so his books are available there, and anyway, he's a vitamin C expert, cardiologist, author, attorney. And he used to have a clinic, you know, giving people IV vitamin C. He knows about the law in vitamin C. He gives talks about that, lectures about how you can basically demand the hospitals give you vitamin C. But, you know, by that time, and they finally might give you some, and it might be a teeny little bit like they gave Alan Smith, like 400 milligrams by the time you get it through IV. Because uh, if they're giving you two grams, your body can only make use of 400 milligrams. That's not even half a gram. And then I'd tell you, you know, vitamin C, the live on labs kind, you know, he took six grams a day. Well, six grams of that is a lot more potent than six grams of the kind through IV. There's just no comparison. Because if you're only able to make use of a fifth of the kind you're given by IV, it's not apples and, you know, it's comparing apples and oranges. So 
you know, you want to get the potent kind that you don't have to go to a clinic and get administered or go to find a doctor that will administer it to you. And you have to sit there with an IV in your arm. Anytime you get an IV or a needle stuck in you, you could get um, an infection and it could kill you. You know, you could get MRSA, a staph infection. Vitamin C would clear that up as well as blood poisoning, which is sepsis, you know. Um, and lots of other things, you know, basically everything. If you do it right and you take it often enough, and it's our Heavenly Father's will that you live and get better. But I would want to avoid all those things. And, I, w- you know, I don't want to get needles stuck in me, and I don't want to have to go get an IV. I can just take it orally, the live-on labs kind, and it works for everything, and it works, you know, on a daily basis. You could take it, you know, or I could, and... um it's very affordable, like I say, and it helps to bulletproof your immune system. And Frank and I use it. We give it to our animals. We also use the regular ascorbic acid mixed in water with baking soda, which turns it into sodium ascorbate. And so all of that's really good. And anyway, I highly recommend that to keep keep healthy. That's what we use anyway um, for a lot of things. We also use, you know, Apple cider vinegar, the Bragg brand, uh, organic garlic, um, the coconut oil, so many other things too, oil of oregano, but a lot of different things we use. But those are some of the things and that we really highly believe in. Magnesium oil is good. Organic sulfur is great. Um, so anyway, and, and a juicer, you know, because food is medicine, let Food be your medicine and medicine be your food, you know. And so juicing the fresh vegetables and some fruits, you know, at times um, is really good for a lot of health conditions and your immune system and all that. And you're getting the vitamins, the enzymes, the nutrients, the minerals, all the good things in the juice. Honey is another good medicine we use and, and love. Baking soda is another one. There's so many different ones. And and a lot of these are just really inexpensive things that people don't even know, you know, are very healthy for you. So, um, and then continuing on in the book I was telling you about by Dr. Norman Walker, he talks about how um, that, you know, it's only part of the program um, to live without the the tobacco smoke and the the lungs have to be free of foul air, and our skin has to be active so that the pores may pour out the toxins carried there by the lymph. The kidneys must have freedom of action without interference from alcohol and uric acid products, which is like meat and seafood. A lot of those can cause that problem and and can lead to gout and kidney stones. And um, another thing that could lead to kidney stones is too much calcium the wrong kinds of calcium. A lot of people do use the wrong kinds and take way too much, and it's added to beverages in the stores and things like that. So you're getting all this wrong kind of calcium. They do the same thing with vitamin D. Instead of giving you D3, which is the kind you need, your body needs, and you get, you know, from the sun, your body can make from getting sun light, And I'm not saying to go out there in the blazing 100-plus degree temperatures or 90-degree temperatures and just stay out and bake in the sun all day and and put coconut oil or something like that. 
But, you know, I think it's it's in moderation, maybe earlier in the morning or even later in the afternoon. Yeah. I mean, you know, you can't just stay out there all day and bake or anything. And But, you know, I think from what I've read, coconut oil is a good thing. And I think it does have some, a bit of sun protection in it. Um, and I don't think it's going to, you know, it's not going to cause cancer like, like the sunscreens and the sunblocks locks do and things like that then again you have to also consider chemtrails you know i i don't i wouldn't stay outside all the time and and i definitely i don't know the rain and stuff like that kind of scares me i mean i just the chemtrail aspect of it all but anyway i think somebody made a comment in the chat room you know how it can be dangerous to be out in the sun for a long time or something like that but you know everything in moderation and there is there's know a lot written about the sun and how it's good for us and so you can read up on heliotherapy sun therapy and stuff like that but they did used to use that to get rid of tuberculosis and different things as a treatment for that um so you know you might want to look into that and just see what you can find out but he does say that our Cohen must have whatever internal washing it needs to remove the accumulations of 30 40 and 50 years or more that's why colon cleanses are so important. And he said that that's only part of the program. The cells and tissues of the entire body must get live organic nourishment. And this means that for some time at least, we should forego as much as possible all those foods whose vital energy, whose life element has been destroyed by heat, you know, like by pasteurization, by processing, by cooking them and different juices that you buy at the grocery stores and things like that, they've been pasteurized and the enzymes are no longer there, you know. Um, the vitamins have been depleted and, you know, it's just not going to give you the help that you can get by juicing, you know, the organic fresh orange at home yourself, you know, or whatever you choose to juice. And... So that's what you need to be doing instead. Um, that's what I would be doing instead of drinking that bad OJ from the store or whatever kind of juice from the store. You know, juice it yourself at home and get the good health benefits. And get this book and learn all about which juices for what conditions, you know, are the best and how to heal yourself by by juicing and eating different raw veggies and fruit and things like that. He's got other good books. Dr. Walker does uh about diet and salad suggestions. Um, so there's all kind of good books out there by Dr. Walker. He says also to carrot and alfalfa juice, lettuce juice may be added to enrich the combination with elements particularly needed by the roots of the hair. So to help to grow hair, to make your hair grow faster or better if you have a problem with that, carrot and alfalfa juice and lettuce juice added. Drinking this combination daily, a pint a day, may help the growth of hair to a remarkable extent. And maybe if he tells you in here the exact amounts of each, uh, I'll try to look it up and let you know next week on my show. But you can always get this book. It's highly inexpensive. You know, it's a good, great deal because it's jam-packed full of this great health information. And, and it's just a bargain price, you know, probably 10 bucks or less. You could easily have it. Get it maybe new or used. Look online, ask your bookstore to order it, whatever you got to do to get it. And it's called Fresh Vegetable and Fruit Juices, What's Missing in Your Body. 
by N.W. Walker, D. period, S.C. period, and that was Dr. Norman Walker, written in, co in cooperation with R.D. Pope, medical doctor. Okay, so I highly recommend that book, and I'll tell you more about different juices on my shows and what they're good for, asparagus juice, beet juice, so many others, coconut juice, carrot, beet juice, cucumber juice, um, cabbage juice. I've read cabbage is a wonderful thing. So uh, there's, I don't know. We'll see what Dr. Walker says about cabbage juice. For one thing, ulcers respond almost miraculously to drinking cabbage juice. And you can use carrot juice as well for ulcers. You know, he says that you can use it with equal success, carrot juice, raw, organic carrot juice for ulcers. But anyway, we'll talk more about that in, in the future shows. So thanks for listening. Thanks for sticking around. Coming up next is Frank with two hours. And God bless you all. Have a wonderful night.
makes deep sea salt from France so different? Up from the ocean depths in the south of France flow undersea rivers of pristine sea water. At high tide, the prepared salt ponds are filled with this water. Over spring and summer, processed only by ocean breezes and sunshine, the brine thickens and salt crystals float to the top. These are harvested with nets and deposited on wooden drainage flats to dry. The salt is then gathered up, packaged, and shipped around the world. This salt is much more than a box of lifeless sodium chloride. Soldiers worth their salt were once paid with this valuable commodity. It contains 78 to 84 balancing elements. This is living salt, and once you have tasted it, you will never go back to anything else. I've seen this salt in gourmet shops for $30 a pound. Get it now at 4spectrum.us for under $8 a pound. Order 10 pounds and enter the coupon code AVRSALT at checkout and save $20. Ships free to your door or call 800-581-8906. Order today. Can your family survive a food shortage lasting two weeks, six months, or maybe longer? Sound far-fetched? We live in precarious times. There is an ever-increasing possibility of food shortages caused by terrorist attacks, natural disasters, truck strikes, or monetary collapse. You owe it to yourself and family to prepare, and you can by getting a supply of our long-storing, freeze-dried, and dehydrated foods. Our foods are time-tested to store for decades, require a minimum of time and energy to prepare while maintaining superior nutritional value, freshness, and taste. Our foods were designed for the space program and are in constant use today by our own nuclear submarine service. Contact the Freeze Dry Guy today at freezedryguy at landset.com. That's freezedryguy at l-a-n-s-e-t.com or call 530-265-8333. 530-265-8333. And let them know you heard it on American Boys Radio. your cell phone for business or staying in touch with family, your cell phone use is increasing. Use the Wave Shield, developed for ultimate cellular protection. The Wave Shield blocks, reduces, and deflects up to 97% of the radiation from entering the soft tissue of your ear. The Wave Shield, made of a patented mesh material, is proven and tested to block radiation without affecting reception. Order your Wave Shield today for only $19.95. Did he just say $19.95? Hey, times are tough, so American Voice Radio Network is cutting the price to $17.95. That's right, $17.95 plus mailing. You can protect yourself, family, and friends from cell phone danger to your inner ear. $17.95 at TheAmericanVoice.com. That's the superstore at TheAmericanVoice.com. $17.95 plus mailing. Order now.
field all day long I can catch catfish from dusk till dawn Make our own whiskey and our own smoke too Ain't too many things these old boys can't do Country boy can survive And the western sky And we can skin a bus We can run a trot line And a country boy can survive
And it is the 7th of April, uh, 2011. And what will we talk about tonight? Well, we're going to talk about water. We're going to talk about beans, rice, and bullets. We're going to talk about firearms and their uh, related uh, subject matter. We're going to talk about uh, kit and field gear and uh, food and all the good things you need to do and think about and get ready for whatever may come down the pike. Now, I tell you, I don't know how many of you listen to L.A. Marzulli on our network, but it was kind of somewhat, oh, I don't know. You know, you can listen to some of these fellows and kind of, you know, his guest, he had Stan Dale, and a lot of you out there have heard Stan Dale before. He goes way back to to the good old Art, Bay, Art Bell days on Coast to Coast back when he was living in Australia. I guess he's moved back to the United States now and is living down there near the Four Corners area of New Mexico because he kind of, you know, he does his little maps of where the earthquakes he thinks are going to happen and the volcanoes. And, you know, they were pretty straightforward last night and honest and said, there's really no quote-unquote safe place on the face of the planet. I mean, after all, if God does decide to have earthquakes in diverse places and Whatever can be shaken will be shaken. It doesn't matter where you go. Now, there's some obvious things. I mean, it's pretty obvious that on the California, Oregon, or Washington coast, you wouldn't want to be down at sea level off of one of those short little beaches so that when the big, you know, nine-point whatever happens uh, and the 70-foot tsunami, by the way, the Japanese tsunami wave has been officially recorded at being 70 feet. That's one of the largest tsunami waves. I mean, that that gets down to where almost we're talking about Hollywood-esque wave, seventy feet above its normal a normal uh, high tide. Um, that's a lot of power, a lot of water. So you wouldn't want to be living down right there on the water. Certainly wouldn't want to go be living in some island in the middle of the Pacific either, especially a short island. I mean, maybe if you were on on. Um, I can't remember the name of the islands. Um, oh, where the fellows from the Bounty, where uh, uh, Fletcher, uh, uh, what was Fletcher, Fletcher's last name? Anyway, where he and his fellows took the Bounty and uh, and uh, Cook Island or Crook Island and, and made their home. Well, that 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 island is like three hundred feet up a cliff, where it's flat, you know, above sea level. You know, a place like that, you know, you know, might survive there. You know, depending on what the washback and stuff was. So you got to choose, you know, you, you, you have to have a relative, you know, you weigh your, you take all things into account, you put them on the scale, you weigh them out, and you say, okay, I can live with this, I can't live with that. Obvious we're not going to live on the beach. Obvious we're not going to live on the side of a, of a dormant volcano. Now, you know, I live within... 50 miles, 45 miles of a dormant volcano uh, on the Cascade Range. And there is nowhere, there is nowhere from the, from the Canadian border to, you know, down to Los Angeles that you're not living within 50 to 100 miles of a dormant volcano. Uh, is this going to deter me from continuing and to live here in Oregon and to recommend Oregon? No. 
all the things that make Oregon an excellent state for living and surviving in a in a tumultuous time. We're talking depression. We're talking about let's let's not say that um, you know the whole country falls apart and breaks into you know fractured little pieces. Let's just say we have a depression, and for the most part, law and civilization still continues on, but it's just going to be tough. You know, ten dollar a gallon gas, and and of course everything else would be a uh, price according uh, accordingly. So where do you need to go? You need to go where you've got food and water, and and it needs to be some place that can grow that food with the water. And so, picking a dry spot in the middle of the desert that doesn't have any water doesn't seem to me to be that good of a deal. Being so close to the Mexican border doesn't seem to me to be overly logic. I mean, I love the politics that's going on in Arizona right now. Arizona is is really showing the rest of the country what it can be like to be a free uh, and sovereign state. I mean, it's it's really really rocking and rolling that way. Wish that the politics and the people that are in Arizona would get their tail ends up here in Oregon and let's take over here and let's really make this because we don't have all that illegal alien problem. We have some of that here, but we certainly don't have it near as bad as a lot of other states. And if we capture the flag, quote, so so uh, to speak, here in Oregon, we could build a, a you know a nice little country, and and have our own administration, have our own. We could we could develop and plan and, and be prepared for whatever may come as a society, as a community, as as a as a little nation. Um, but right now, everybody's you know everybody's pulling their 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 oars in different directions, facing on different ways in the seats of the boat, and some people aren't even rowing. Some people have uh, you know busted their oar, and uh, some of them have uh, tried to eat the oar. So you know everybody's doing their own thing, and and that's what we've got to get away from. You need to get your group of people together. You need to work with your work within your community. You need to decide if. Where you're living right now, okay. If you've got a really great job and it pays you well, and it's not transferable, it's it's one place and one place only. If you left it, you would be economically hurt. It would hurt your family. It would put you in 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 a in a difficult situation. You you know, okay. You've got to decide: is that worth that? Or is is it um, is it something that you need to trade or exchange and, and and try to make it something somewhat different? Um, so going back to what Stan Dale was talking about, you know, he's talking about the Hopi Indian visions and his dream and vision, and you know where they think the you know he did say one thing that was pretty interesting. He was talking about five of the uh, the earthquake monitoring devices that are in, in uh, Yellowstone that happen to be over one section of the caldera. Now, they said there's over like 40 in the whole, the whole area there. But just these five grouped together uh, showed like a pulsating uh, movement and were very active just as the earthquake was happening in Japan. And his summation of that is that there's basically one lava tube that goes, uh, that'd be obviously close to nine, ten thousand 10,000 miles. 
that it's connected. Um, whether that is or not, I don't know, but uh, pretty interesting. We know that Japan moved eight feet. We know that the uh, from recorded history, the uh, New Madra fault earthquake, and think that was in. I think it was around eighteen. 1815 or 1816, the Mississippi River in one particular area moved four miles. Now, what it did is it didn't just, the river just didn't, you know, pick itself up and move itself over. The landmass, it sank over here and, and rose up here where the river had been and forced the river to cut a new channel. In fact, uh, somewhere along over there, there's still two big old wooden barges. They used to be on the Mississippi River back then. And they're just sitting high and dry in a field, four miles away from the river. But they were where the river was at one time. And uh, they just got left there. Nobody's ever done anything with them, just kind of left them. They just became a piece of history, and uh, uh, and on, on they stay. So there's some, uh, you know, God's, uh, you know, Design his nature has a, has a way to move dramatically, I and mean, Krakatoa completely disappeared. That island when that volcano went off. So there can be there can be some serious serious issues. So you don't move right next to a volcano. You certainly don't move right on top of a you know known pre existing super active uh, fault line like you know the San Andreas. Uh, or the Hayward Fault, uh, and there's faults everywhere. I mean, but but living right smack dab on top of it, you know, you live off to the side, you know, even if it's 15 or 20 or 30 miles, you know, it's better than being sitting right on top of the line where the cracks are, you know, going to open up and swallow your house. And there comes another reason why you don't want to have all your eggs in one basket. You know, go out and pre-locate your caches. Now, you know, I don't think there's going to be such major landmass changes that it changes every terrain feature for, so that none are ever recognizable. I mean, even if uh, one of your mountains nearby where you live is a dormant volcano and it blows half its top off, still going to be enough of it there to use as a reference to your to your map and your compass to, uh, you know, know where you put your cache. Remember... If you're going to use GPS to put a cache out or to find your location, and, and you need to come up with a code that you can remember, that you'll understand, and never send that GPS by a cheapie to go out and mark all your locations. Don't ever send it in for repair if something, when, it goes, when something goes wrong with it, when it breaks. You know, you go. You paid ninety bucks or a hundred bucks for it. You said, "Well, you know, I, I I used it, but it's acting up now, and uh, I'm going to send it in to get repaired." Don't. GPS recorded tall marks of everywhere it's ever been. Even if you say erase, it's still going to have a memory chip in there. And you send it in. I'm not saying that Magellan or any of the other companies that make GPSs automatically download all the information, write down the name, and give it to anybody, but they could. And think about this. They put you in a database. Now, they they know how you register. They pick where you live. They see what your gun record purchases are. 
Then they turn around and they and they uh, they check your credit card purchases. What's he buying? What books does he check out from the library? Oh, he's got a GPS and he sent it in for repair. Where's the hallmarks at? Oh, well, they're out here in the woods all around his property, and he's been to this one five times and that one eight times. Well, we might want to mark that. Now you've just given them a potential asset to narrow down a search area for finding you and or your caches of equipment and supplies. Uh, it's it's one of those situations and circumstances where, you know, it's better to be a little paranoid, uh, so to speak, and, and, you know, err on the side of, uh, you know, hey, extra caution. Extra caution never killed anyone. Extra caution sometimes has paid great and tremendous dividends uh, in a survival situation, uh, in, in not just raw survival. I mean, you know, survival from, you know, from the politics of the situation. You know, during World War II, when they were hiding uh, uh, people who were not considered to be favorable to the Nazis, whether they were Jewish or, or, or some other political persuasion that, or, or that wasn't necessarily accepted by by the Reich, uh, people, you know, they weren't cautious. There was a reality that you could wind up with a bullet in your head or stuffed into uh, some concentration camp somewhere and be the victim of whatever and whoever might want to subject you to whatever victimization they were willing to do. So you want to be putting yourself in a position, a place and time where, you know, you've got acquaintanceships, associations, uh, relative geophysical safety. And, and physical safety, and uh, a place to keep your supplies, a place to, you know, get familiar with and know. Now, if you're stuck where you're at, make the best of your situation. But check your routes. Make sure you've got two or three or four places to go far enough away so that if something does happen catastrophic in your area, you can uh, get away from it. Uh, Mr. Dale was talking about one of the visions of, you know, and he was talking about George Washington's dream, uh, and I guess a combination of these Hopi Indians and, and, and George Washington's dream, he'd come to the conclusion that around the four corners part of the United States is where all those survivors were going to gather. Well, I don't know about that. If the circumstance and the situation were to arise and and this invasion that they were talking about Chinese and Russians and somebody else invading us, oh, Middle East nations, uh, come in to attack us uh, and rip the country to shreds. And, and they pretty much say that after they've, you know, whacked us pretty hard that they messed up things so bad that they don't even want to stay here. They just pack up and leave, and there's only, a, you know, so many of us as survivors. And then we rebuild from that. Um, you know, I'm, I don't know about that. I'm just saying that that's what, was, that's what they talked about. You might want to go back and listen to the show in the archives. It was uh, L.A. Marzulli, uh, yesterday's show. And you just go ahead and... Um, uh, you know, make your own uh, make your own judgments. Go to Mr. Deo's site, and you can look at his maps. And 
I think it's uh, standeo.com, and it's D-Y-A-O, I think is how you spell his last name, um, or D-A-Y-O. I think it's D-A-Y-O, Dale. So, you know, I'm not saying everybody pack up and move to Four Corners. Uh, I still advocate, like I said earlier, I still advocate um, Oregon, uh, Eastern Oregon, you know, here in the, the central, uh, in between the coastal and the, and the Cascade Mountain Range. Uh, we have, we're high enough that, you know, we're far enough inland that no tsunami is going to get us. And if there is some earth shifting, you know, I mean, I mean, Japan, that was pretty major, eight feet. Okay, eight feet isn't the end of the world. You know, you survive the shake, you survive the movement. You know, your house doesn't collapse on top of you, you're good to go. Um, you make it to your uh, cachet, you get your get your truck out of your container with your little trailer on it, and you take the family, you go to your alternative site for, uh, you know, setting up a camp and living. Uh, if it's a disaster of that proportion where we're so whacked out by, by earth changes and movements, you know, yeah, there's going to be martial law and there's going to be emergency procedures, but they're not going to be out hunting us down because we're, quote, unquote, this or that or the other thing. Now, none of that happens, and we get into this big political issue where where we all decide independently in each little community and county and state that we're not putting up with certain things anymore, and some people decide they're going to go this way, and another state decides they're going to go that way. And we could be seeing guys with blue helmets and blue berets walking up and down our streets. That's a whole different brand of survival. That's getting out in the woods and staying hidden. Staying low profile, doing as much as you can to disguise your heat signatures. You know, investing in thermal screening, and I don't just mean the little cheap, inexpensive thermal blankets. I mean some some quality insulation materials that you can actually, you know, if your if your insulation material, you know, is something that will actually block a thermal heat image of 100 degrees, and you hang it up above and give it about four feet between you and your tent, and, you know, get it camouflaged on the top. You know, you get a good camouflage tarp, and you get this thermal barrier material, barrier material, and you put it underneath, and you hang this above, that's going to stay whatever the ambient temperature is around your camp, no matter what time of the year, and it's going to mask your body heat and your, your surfacing heats that you're, you know, uh, for the things that you're doing, and you're going to be more difficult to see. FLIR, uh, which is forward-looking infrared radar uh, used on helicopters and, and predator and drone-type aircraft, it's pretty impressive stuff, and it works pretty doggone good, but it's not perfect. Uh, there was a little boy lost uh, a few years ago down in California, and he he was a Cub Scout, I think. He wasn't old enough to be a Boy Scout. And he had some savvy about him, and he, and he realized that rocks get hot by the sun during the day, and at night they, it took him longer to cool off. So he had found a big, flat boulder that was on a prominent projection. It was away from the trees, and he had remembered, stay put. So he got on that flat rock, and he stayed put. And they really pulled out all the stops to try and find him, and they brought out the, uh, the FLIR armed military helicopters, but they were flying him at night. You know, thinking they were gonna—that was their best chance because the ground 
it was getting cool. It was cool up there in the mountains. It wasn't wintertime, thank God, but it, it got pretty cool at night. So they were figuring that there'd be a 40-degree uh, temperature difference between his body heat and the surrounding area, and he'd be easier to find. Only problem is the little fella to stay warm was sleeping on that boulder. And the heat of the boulder didn't dissipate till about four in the morning, enough to where it even started to make a difference. By that time, they'd pretty much, you know, searched all night with the flare. So, you know, if if he was able to hide out and wasn't even trying to hide on a, a rock that was heated up, that might be a clue to you to put some boulders and some flat rocks around your camp uh, so that they kind of get heated up a little bit. They're flying over. They're going to see that they're rocks. You've got your thermal barrier uh, uh, tarp thing set up above your above your tent, where you're going to be mostly at. And you know you're going to have to. If you've got young children, you know you're going to have to teach them uh, a, a seriousness factor, so that they'll understand that they can't, you know, be running around like they do at home. They're they're going to have to learn to sit put and, and become patient. That's why the board games, uh, the children's books. I know even a little DVD player, and 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 having having yourself um, um, some uh, some uh, uh, you know children's movies and things like that to you know keep them entertained to keep them keep them uh, you know so that they that they don't get so bored and get out and run around. Um, speaking of that, I do want to I do want to tell you this. Uh, mentioned this I think several months ago. When you, you're in a surviving situation uh, and you don't want to be seen, we're talking about a political uh, post-apocalyptic type thing where there, there's government forces that you don't want to find you, opposing military forces. When you hear a helicopter, that's not your signal to run 30 or 40 feet under, to, you know, and hide under a tree. That's your signal to stop moving. If there's a bush two or three feet away, go for that. If there's not, just lay down. Hopefully you're camouflaged enough. You're not wearing an orange T-shirt. You're wearing camouflage. The The easiest thing, and this comes back from when, when I was uh, what was called Brigade S3 Air, Brigade level. That's, that's where you have three battalions that are combined together under a command structure, and you have a brigade commander. And so we have the tactical air operations. S3 is for tactical operations, and S3 air specializes with air. So I was the brigade S3 air. And I was up flying in the helicopters all the time. Instead of a Jeep, I had an OH-58 and pilots at my, at my disposal anytime. And uh, we would be out, oh, God, seven, eight miles from the tactical operations center. That's where the command headquarters track vehicles all get together and we had really great camo nets and there are a lot of oak trees over there and so you'd pull in under around the oak trees and you'd spread the camo nets out and it was impressive i mean if you didn't know where it was at just cruising along flying it was hard to see but you know what gave it away every time how we always they moved on us one time while we were out doing an air op and They'd moved like five miles, and we knew the general area where they'd moved to because they, they give us the map reference and the coordinates. Excuse me. <laughs> but we needed to find where it was exactly at, and we noticed and looked out 
And it was the people coming in and out of the camo net, that movement of the people. That's what drew our attention, and that's how we zoned in and flew right to them. So when you hear the blades beating the air into submission, stop, drop, don't try to run for better cover. Use the immediate cover right at your area, and you'll be less likely to be seen. All right, there's the bottom uh, half-hour first break music, and we'll be back in about three minutes. And this is Survival Time. I am your host, Richard McGregor, and thank you for listening tonight. from France so different. Up from the ocean depths in the south of France flow undersea rivers of pristine sea water. At high tide, the prepared salt ponds are filled with this water. Over spring and summer, processed only by ocean breezes and sunshine, the brine thickens and salt crystals float to the top. These are harvested with nets and deposited on wooden drainage flats to dry. The salt is then gathered up, packaged, and shipped around the world. This salt is much more than a box of lifeless sodium chloride. Soldiers worth their salt were once paid with this valuable commodity. It contains 78 to 84 balancing elements. This is living salt, and once you have tasted it, you will never go back to anything else. I've seen this salt in gourmet shops for $30 a pound. Get it now at 4spectrum.us for under $8 a pound. Order 10 pounds and enter the coupon code AVRSALT at checkout and save $20. Ships free to your door or call 800-581-8906. Order today. There are nine kinds of water. Hard water, raw water, boiled water, soft water, rain water, snow water, filtered water, deionized water, and distilled water. Only one of these kinds of water is good for you. Distilled water is water which has been turned into vapor so that all its impurities are left behind. Then, by condensing, it is turned back to pure water. It is the only water which is pure. The only only water free from all impurities. The choice is clear. Dr. Alan E. Bannock. Order your tabletop water distiller for $139.99. Postpaid. It comes with everything you need to get pure distilled water. Go to superstore.theamericanvoice.com. That's superstore.theamericanvoice.com. Order now. Can your family survive a food shortage lasting two weeks, six months, or maybe longer? Sound far-fetched? We live in precarious times. There is an ever-increasing possibility of food shortages caused by terrorist attacks, natural disasters, truck strikes, or monetary collapse. You owe it to yourself and family to prepare, and you can by getting a supply of our long-storing, freeze-dried, and dehydrated foods. Our foods are time-tested to store for decades, require a minimum of time and energy to prepare while maintaining superior nutritional value, freshness, and taste. Our foods were designed 
designed for the space program and are in constant use today by our own nuclear submarine service. Contact the Freeze Dry Guy today at freezedryguy at landset.com. That's freezedryguy at l-a-n-s-e-t.com or call 530-265-8333, 530-265-8333, and let them know you heard it on American Boys Radio. your cell phone for business or staying in touch with family, your cell phone use is increasing. Use the Wave Shield, developed for ultimate cellular protection. The Wave Shield blocks, reduces, and deflects up to 97% of the radiation from entering the soft tissue of your ear. The Wave Shield, made of a patented mesh material, is proven and tested to block radiation without affecting reception. Order your Wave Shield today for only $19.95. Did he just say $19.95? Hey, times are tough, so American Voice Radio Network is cutting the price to $17.95. That's right, $17.95 plus mailing. You can protect yourself, family, and friends from cell phone danger to your inner ear. $17.95 at TheAmericanVoice.com. That's the superstore at TheAmericanVoice.com. $17.95 plus mailing. Order now. time. I am your host, Richard McGregor. This is American Voice Radio. And if those of you would like to call in, it's 800-596-8191, 800-596-8191, or 541-826-9159. 541-826-9159. All righty, folks. Uh, we were talking about, you know, all those little good things before. And I kind of want to shift a little gear here and uh, talk about uh, a water tip of the week. Uh, try to try to get one of these out for you every week from now on if I can work it out here. And uh, let's say you're out in the area and it's somewhat uh, an arid region, but there's a, a dry dry riverbed there, and you're in the summer and there's uh, no visible water. 
And it's uh, new or fresh uh, young rivers are pretty straight. It's old rivers as they, they, they start to meander and they, and they all have bends and turns. It's those bends in the tight bend, right or left, doesn't matter which way it's going, that you're going to have your best chance at locating water. That's where natural underground little ponds or pools will form and will somewhat retain moisture in the soils. And so what you do is you get to these corners and you start digging down. And you dig yourself a substantial hole. You go down as, you know, depending on what time of the year it is, anywhere from two to, to three feet. And you can let it sit there and see if you get a seep. Now, if you're close on a river that's got two or three bends, dig all three bends. And then come back and check for seepage. All right, it might not look appetizing. It might be cloudy. But, you know, it's still water. It's going to be pretty good, and, you know, it's going to take care of the, your bodily needs, you know, for, for, for thirst. And so working the bends in the rivers and digging down and letting it seep and sometimes you'll get lucky and you'll dig, and it'll be right there. And you won't even have to worry about it seeping. You won't even have to dig three holes. You won't have to go to a different location. Now, if you're if you're in a raw survival situation and you find water, and you had made the decision to move from your downed aircraft or, or your broken down vehicle um, to you know get get the help, you know, take a day, take a day, build a camp that's visible. You know, get your three fire piles going there and stay near that water long enough to rehydrate yourself, especially if you're in an arid region. Now, um, I'm trying, I can't remember the name of the movie, but these people, they, they crashed in the desert in Africa. And uh, they, they found like a little oasis in the, a little rock crevice mountain, and there was a stream. The only problem is they had some mean, nasty baboons there. They would kill some of the baboons and eat them. Uh, but what they did is they knew they were going to have to walk out of there. They, it was too many days being down. They knew the search was over for them. They had just written them off, figured up oh, they're all dead. We're not going to look anymore. We're finished searching. So they'd come to that realization. And so if they were going to get out of there, and they knew they were going to have to walk it out themselves. And they knew they were about 600 miles from the coast, from the Atlantic coast. So what they did is there was, there was uh, uh, they got a bunch of, uh, I think they were ostrich eggs or something. How they got them where they were at, I don't know. But, and some gourds. And between the ostrich eggs and the gourds, they did. There's two of them. They would fill them up, everything up with water, and they would go out as far as they could, and every so many miles they would bury. Well, the first cache that they took out, they'd bury like 20-something. And then it would go out and bury 15 and then bury the last 10. Then they would come back because they needed the water to get back. They would take five off of each one. How many ever? I mean, you know, you just give me a general idea. So what it was is they had to put some out, but yet they had to still take some back to make it back. So then they would refill and reload the next group. They would restock each one as they went by, but now they had extra because now they had more water pre-stacked to continue to go forward. And, and they did this like four or five times, and they went out several hundred miles almost half the distance, and came back. Finally mounted up an expedition of a group of them. They got themselves a little sled, and they hauled as much water that day as they could, and then they drank the other water as they went along. 
and two of them finally made it to the coast, and that's how they managed to get get uh, get themselves rescued. So you might want to have to think about that. You might not have to be thinking of you know that many miles, but you could think of fifty miles. But you know, in a in a hundred and eighteen degree temperature desert, uh, you're going to need to consume you know well over a quart of water an hour if you're in the daylight traveling. And so you're going to need to you know you may not be able to carry all that water for that distance. So pre-caching out some water and then coming back and and you know I know it's arduous, but you know, better to have something, some water, than to get out there and think you're going to, you know, push past, uh, and and then trying to overload yourself with the weight of water, and you might not, you know, circumstances and situations, you know, you've got to weigh your weigh your options. That's another good reason to carry a supply of Ziploc bags because a gallon Ziploc bag full of water is is a is a handy canteen to carry that. Um, I do remember a, an actual real account that happened down in. Uh, Fort Irwin in uh, Southern California National Training Center NTC. Uh, some Marines were down there doing a doing a, a desert exercise. It's been about 15 years ago, and they have these little where you do you know convoy counts, and you you put out a security guy, and you tell him this convoy's got 17 vehicles in it, and so he counts the vehicles and makes sure there's not some enemy trying to slip in. So he was out there at night doing his job. He was along the side of the road, and his uh, his uh, gunny sergeant, you know, brought him by a five-gallon uh, water jug and some couple of you know MREs. So he was set for you know doing this position. He was supposed to be out there for two or three days or something like that. So he had plenty of water for. Well, this was a major exercise, and there was a few thousand Marines involved. And guess what happened? Yeah, they forgot him. They forgot all about him, and they all headed back home. Well, four days came and went, and he hadn't seen any vehicles in the last 24 hours. He was just there, you know, and he was starting to get a little concerned. He was running out of food, and he's about halfway down in his water, and uh, it was getting hot, and there wasn't anything friendly, nothing friendly going on, and he was kind of just sitting there. But his problem was he waited too long. He waited there about a week. He pretty much exhausted most all of his water, and then he decided to start walking. Well, he had the flak jacket, the Kevlar helmet, the rifle, with no live ammunition. He had all this extra-strenuous equipment. Well, the first thing he should have done is cached the stuff he didn't need, mark it clearly on the map, where, where, or, or you know, uh, leave a pile of rocks, and you know, this is where I buried my weapon and my helmet and my flag jacket, and now I'm I'm going off. Now, if I had an M16 with blanks, uh, you know, I I would hope you'd all have uh, condolences for me for having to have one. But if I had one and I had blanks, I might not be so willing to get rid of it because you know, I can load that up like a black powder. I can make something out of that. And if I have no blanks, then it's it's just a waste. It's a piece of metal that's not going to do me any good. But uh, an M16 with blanks, you know, I can make a snake go the opposite direction because he doesn't want all that hot gas coming out of the muzzle. So there is an advantage if you had the blanks. If you didn't have the blanks, so he should have got rid of the rifle and all that first, first off the bat. And take what water he had and haul his jug and his, you know, remaining MREs and himself and head in, in one direction. He was on a road. 
And although it was a, a training camp road, it was out in the middle of nowhere, uh, he had a general idea of where some civilization might be, and he was heading in the right direction. There's a road that goes through there, and this is basically Death Valley. Fort Irwin, part of its training area, is a section of Death Valley. So here he is in Death Valley, minimal water, hardly any food, carrying all this heavy equipment. And he dumped the equipment off and, and you know, minimized his, you know, and took only what he needed of his gear for survival and then continued heading like he did. And he made the, about six days of travel. And he had exhausted all his water, and he was he was pretty much in bad shape. They figured by the time the sixth day had come along, and that's when he put all the equipment on the road that he had been traveling. And a note, and he went off in the bushes, and he laid down, and he died. It was two and a half miles from the intersection of that to a state highway where there was a little convenience store with tons of ice cold beverages and food. Had he started two days, even one day earlier, his water would have lasted him and his body would have held out and he could have made that extra short distance. Unfortunately, there was a rise ahead of him, so he couldn't see that it was that close. And so... He also traveled a lot in the day, where he should have traveled at night. He had it clear, well-marked. He would not have drifted off the road. Uh, and then with the starlight and the moonlight and everything, he would have been very... And the additional advantage in the desert of traveling at night like that, where you know there's highways, You're like in the southwest desert region, you can see cars. You can also see aircraft. You can see... Okay, you can look up and see where the major aircraft are moving back and forth, and that gives you a general idea. Okay, I know most of the traffic's going to be going from Los Angeles or Phoenix to such and such or whatever. So, you know, that's east to west. So now you see all this aircraft. You know that they're, or you might be in an area where they know they're running from Denver to, Denver to, to, to you know, uh, Houston or, 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 you know, something like that to Dallas. So that gives you a general idea of direction of travel. And that, you know, gives you some reassurance. You know, you're not out there, you know, you might be alone right where you're at, but there's there's some people. They might be 30,000 feet above you, but there's some people. So you can use that as some solace, and you can keep, your, keep on uh, moving. And unfortunately, the young Marine died, and of course, the people who were responsible for checking up on him and recovering him, you know, they got in trouble. They got reprimanded, but that didn't save his life. So, you know, if you're going to move, move sooner than later. Uh, if you're down in an area, you know, for whatever the reason is, you know, in, in that circumstance, he, he knew he was forgotten. He, he, after a couple of days, he'd come to that conclusion. So he should have moved sooner. Uh-huh. And staying on the road and continuing to move was, was the right direction, not trying to go cross-country. That way, if they did remember him and did finally decide to come down the road looking for him, then he could have, uh, you know, left hallmarks. Like I say, I would have left most of the equipment where I was at. Uh, you know, might have been wise to leave the Kevlar helmet on a stick right beside the road 
with a note traveling this way. You know, on foot, I have four gallons of water and I'm moving by night. Resting in the day under the whatever shade I can find will leave markings on the side of the road. And, you know, then people would, you know, know where they'd, they'd know to look for you. I mean, they'd, if once they'd realize you were missing, they'd pull out all the stops. There'd be helicopters and, and jeeps and, and things looking for you like there's nobody's business. So there is the there is those uh, those things to take into consideration in all survival circumstances and all survival situations. So back to the thing. Find your water, use your water, harvest your water, have containers in your survival gear, even in your little mini kit. Uh, pilot survival kits, you know, the, the, for air crew. Little teeny miniature lightweight stuff because you're, you're in an airplane. What they used for emergency canteens um, were unlubricated condoms. And they hold quite a bit of water. And, and they're, they're excellent source, uh, you know, lightweight, small, compact. Put a couple of them in your little mini kits. Now you've got canteens. And all those of you who want to giggle and, and, and snicker and make all kinds of comments about it, okay, that's fine. But if the item works, who cares what its original purpose, its intent was, was if it'll work to your benefit to keep you alive? You know, I got no problem. Uh, I'd rather have two quarts of water. And, and have a way to carry it than to have to sit there and say, you know, i got to eventually leave this pool of water, and I have no way to carry any, so I'm going to drink as much as I can, and then I'm going to go. Well, you know, you know, it doesn't tell you it's not rocket science to figure out you really should have something to put it in. A slightly bigger survival kit, you know, you got your Ziploc bags. You know, hopefully you've uh, acquired your stainless steel canteen and your one-quart canteen, and you've got your Camelback, and you can refill them. But if you find yourself, <coughs> you find yourself in a, uh, <coughs> sorry about that, folks. <coughs> uh, find yourself in a in a arid region, and water is hard to find. Then you need to, um, you know, be prepared, plan ahead. And the, the, the thing about that is, is we never know when we might find ourselves in a circumstance or situation like that. You know, be prepared. You know, you can you can take and build the finest survival kit in the world. If you don't take it with you, it won't do you any good. The story on that about twelve years ago, uh, down by Yuba City, California, this fellow was. Avid outdoorsman, summer, winter, fall, didn't matter. He snowmobiled in the winter. And the guy wasn't stupid. He knew about tree wells. And his wife said, you know, he was like Mr. Survival. You know, I mean, he had a two-day pack that you could live on a week out of, easy. But, I mean, he had everything you need. Well, he was in a hurry to go snowmobiling one day, and his friend was supposed to go with him, and they got in a rush. And then the friend backed out at the last minute. So he decided to go ahead by himself. First mistake. He went. Second mistake. He did not go to the original area that it was believed he would be going. Third mistake. He ran off and left his two-day pack. Forgot it. 
went anyway. Found a big old tree well, jumped out and bit him. Broke his leg down in a hole next to a pine tree. And he died of hypothermia, exposure. Now, he had survival gear. He could have gotten himself out of that hole if he'd had his pack. You know, might not have been comfortable with the broken leg, but he could have built the fire, could have crawled over, he could have taken his sleeping bag out, could have got in it. And had he told the people and stayed where he was supposed to be going, they would have come there and looked for him right away. They went and looked for him right away, but he wasn't where they expected him to be. And then they came to the realization that he went the opposite direction from what he, you know, and then so they went. They finally found him, but he was already expired by the time they found him. So... You know, stick to your plan. Make sure someone else knows you're there. Try to always go with somebody. Um, and be sure to take your supplies. Take your pain meds with you. Take your, take your emergency rations. Uh, you know, appropriate clothing for the, wind, for the weather that you're in. And I tell you, if you're in any kind of desert area or mountain area, it's, it can be July and 100 degrees in the day and be 40 at night. You can have freak snowstorms in the middle of summer in the mountains. Uh, so you need to be prepared for all all contingencies and, and have your bases covered. And, yeah, it's, it's weight trade-off. You know, you say, well, I'm just going out on a day hike, and I know the area like the back of my hand. Well, you know, people have said that in the past, and circumstances and situations occurred, and they got off the trail, and the next thing they know, they're lost in the area that they don't like the back of their hand. And they took a snicker bar and a, and a, a half a liter of water and a little day sack and, and no matches and no signal mirror and, you know, maybe a pocket knife. And you talk about raw survival, basic, basic. And that's about as basic as it gets. And you don't want to be put in that situation. You want to be prepared mentally and, you know, educate yourself, uh, you know, learn your plants in your area, your wild edible plants, you know, uh, build your, build your cache of, of knowledge and information. Seek it out. Seek people out in your area who are experts on these things. And you'll be surprised. You know, there's all kinds of things out there that you can eat. And uh, wild edible plants. And some of these shows that you'll see on the cable right now, Survivor Man and uh, Man vs. Wild, those are pretty good shows for absolute raw. You know, you're 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 thrown into it in the middle of nowhere with very little or nothing, and uh, what you can do to actually work it out and and, uh, and continue to survive. And uh, you know, don't don't give up hope as long as you're breathing. And you can keep putting one foot in front of the other. You're alive. You're surviving. You can continue to move forward. So if it's a economic calamity like we're, you know, that seems to be where we're headed, you know, you'll be a little bit more advanced in, in your materials and, and your supplies and your reading material that you'll have with you. Um, 
keep your your mind sharp and and uh, associate and fellowship. Uh, you can have you know Bible studies and. You can teach what you've already learned in survival to people who come along. Maybe not everybody had the same opportunity as you to attend courses and classes. None of this has to stop just because, oh, now we're in the survival situation. This doesn't, you know, you can still practice and train, you know, even while you're in the survival situation. Uh, Practicing and training is a a very good thing. And in that era, if you're going to... If you find yourself in a situation where you're going to be uh, doing a, a, a military operation, you, can run you need to rehearse that. Okay, there's Mr. Cash, and this is the top of the hour, and we will be back here uh, the next uh, hour. Hour, uh, go ahead and give a call 800-596-8191, and uh, you can ask some questions. This is an excellent time to do it. This is Survival Time. I'm your host Richard McGregor. We'll be back in a few. Goodness gracious, let me tell you the news. My head's been wet with the midnight dew. I've been down on bended knee, talking to the man from Galilee. He spoke to me with a voice so sweet. I thought I heard the shuffle of angels. He called my name and my heart stood still. When he said, John, go do my will. Go tell that long-tongued liar. Go and tell that midnight rider. Tell the rambler, the gambler, the backbiter. Tell him that God's gonna cut him down. Tell him that God's gonna cut him down. You can run on for a long time. Can your family survive a food shortage lasting two weeks, six months, or maybe longer? Sound far-fetched? We live in precarious times. There is an ever-increasing possibility of food shortages caused by terrorist attacks, natural disasters, truck strikes, or monetary collapse. You owe it to yourself and family to prepare, and you can by getting a supply of our long-storing, freeze-dried, and dehydrated foods. Our foods are time-tested to store for decades, require a minimum of time and energy to prepare, while maintaining superior nutritional value, freshness, and taste. Our foods were designed for the space program and are in constant use today by our own nuclear submarine service. Contact the Freeze Dry Guy today at freezedryguy at lancet.com. That's freezedryguy at l-a-n-s-e-t.com or call 530-265-8333. 530-265-8333. And let them know you heard it on American Boys Radio. your cell phone for business or staying in touch with family, your cell phone use is increasing. Use the Wave Shield, developed for ultimate cellular protection. The Wave Shield blocks, reduces, and deflects up to 97% of the radiation from entering the soft tissue of your ear. The Wave Shield, made of a patented mesh material, is proven and tested to block radiation without affecting reception. Order your Wave Shield today for only $19.95. Did he just say $19.95? Hey, times are tough, so American Voice Radio Network is cutting the price to $17.95. That's right, $17.95 plus mailing. You can protect yourself, family, and friends from cell phone danger to your inner ear. $17.95 at TheAmericanVoice.com. That's the superstore at TheAmericanVoice.com. $17.95 plus mailing. Order now. 
makes deep sea salt from France so different? Up from the ocean depths in the south of France flow undersea rivers of pristine sea water. At high tide, the prepared salt ponds are filled with this water. Over spring and summer, processed only by ocean breezes and sunshine, the brine thickens and salt crystals float to the top. These are harvested with nets and deposited on wooden drainage flats to dry. The salt is then gathered up, packaged, and shipped around the world. This salt is much more than a box of lifeless sodium chloride. Soldiers worth their salt were once paid with this valuable commodity. It contains 78 to 84 balancing elements. This is living salt, and once you have tasted it, you will never go back to anything else. I've seen this salt in gourmet shops for $30 a pound. Get it now at 4spectrum.us for under $8 a pound. Order 10 pounds and enter the coupon code AVRSALT at checkout and save $20. Ships free to your door or call 800-581-8906. Order today. Blossom said, 
No, that's too political. We're, we don't let political groups involved. Well, recently, down in the town of Ashland, South Dallas, they've had a couple of parades now, two years in a row. Uh, the, um, you know, the gay and lesbian and transgendered bisexual group. Well, now they want to get their big rainbow banner and walk march in the, uh, in the Pear Blossom Parade. Well, they were turned down. They said, no, nope, no, nope, we don't let political groups, you know, with an agenda be a part of the, of the, of the parade. Well, then, you know, they had the lesbian who's in charge of their little organization. She got on the radio, and she said, well, she wasn't really into suing. And the next day, she filed a lawsuit. So the pear blossom, instead of, you know, knuckling down and saying, hey, it's a political thing, we don't, we don't do it, they acquiesced. Now, now, why am I talking about this in survival? Because it's that mentality. We have... You know, her comment while she was on the local talk show here in the in the Valley was that, you know, she'd spent time, she'd come up from California, and she'd spent time looking around. And five years ago, she just fell in love with this area, and so she came up here. Now, she fell in love with our area because of the way it was, but now she wants to change it. Her and her little group of friends want to change it. I came up here 25 years ago and fell in love with the area and didn't change, want to change anything. I want to keep it just like it is. Well, people have this mentality. And so you've got to look for that when you're building your survival group. You have to avoid the people who want to change everything. They change for the, for the worse. And sometimes they'll think they're change for the better. It turns out to be change for the worse. And that mentality will permeate Groups, you know, and that's part of the problem of group dynamics. Um, You know, find yourself a clan, and I don't mean the Ku Klux Klan. I mean the Scottish-Irish style of clan. You know, bond yourself together. You know, if you've got, you know, sons and daughters, find other people with sons and daughters and, you know, arrange the marriage as much as you can. Build, Build your alliances. You know, try to, try to you know, keep your family tight and keep it together like we used to have at one time in this country. We're all this big shotgun scattered all over the place, you know, and, I, and I'm guilty. That happened to me. I no longer live where, you know, the majority of my relatives are at. But, you know, you try to, try to you know, let's say you can't choose your, you can pick your friends, but you can't pick your relatives. Um, well, so sometimes, you, you know, it's, Sometimes better to get get a new crop of friends than to deal with some of the relatives. But with a new crop of friends, you can you know build alliances, build organization, and uh, and and work to better your circumstance and your situation in the area that you choose to live. So finding yourself that 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 is a that is a good thing to good thing to do. Now I want to I want to just touch back. I uh, finish up on that thing about movement. Um, that I talked about earlier, you know, uh, uh, and concealment and cover. Cover uh, is both cover and concealment typically most of the time. Um, But concealment is not necessarily cover. Cover will minimize impact from rifle rounds or bullets. Whereas concealment can be as simply as much as a uh, 
um, a bush that hides your shape of your body. Won't stop bullets, but it'll hide you. So, taking that that uh, that second or two to find that bush for that concealment uh, to hide from the vehicles that are coming over the hill or the helicopter is 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 one thing you might want to do. But if you're under fire, you definitely want to get get behind some thick trees and some rocks. And by the way, trees trees aren't as bulletproof as you might think. You need to go out and take your weapons, take a thirty caliber rifle, and find a big old tree. Find several big old trees and take a shot. Dead smack square in the middle of the tree and just see what happens. See where the bullet goes. You'll be surprised how much wood a rifle round will penetrate in a tree. You need to go back about two, three hundred yards to do this. You know, you want to give it a chance to really build up its speed and hit the tree, and then go up and look. And uh, what you can do is you can take a cardboard silhouette cutout, human size, stick it behind the tree, shoot at the tree, and see if you get any holes in the cardboard. Depending on the size of the tree, you'll be surprised. Car doors. Car doors are notoriously poor, poor cover. A 12-gauge slug will go through both sides of a 1968-69 Cadillac. And you know how thick and heavy built those cars were. But I know this firsthand because I fired a shotgun through a 1968 Cadillac. 12-gauge, regular slug. Not a fancy slug, not a Brennicky BRI, just a regular one-and-a-quarter-ounce rifled slug right on through. So don't think that the door is going to... What typically happens is most people operate on the information, you know, we're, we're computers, we're blanks, we're, we're, we're blank disk, and we get information put on our disk. And until we actually go out and experience things and train, we take our inputs from television, from movies, and from hearing stories and reading books. Well, authors and and writers and movie producers, they do a lot of things in movies, quote-unquote dramatic or poetic license, and they do things that sound cool and look cool uh, and give their hero, you know, advantages and things like that. They don't really occur in the real world. So to think that you can hide behind the car door, well, what that, the only advantage that you're going to have is if you've got a fool who's trying to shoot at you and you're hiding behind the door, and in his mind, he's like, oh, well, yeah, he's hiding behind the door. I better shoot somewhere else. You hide behind the door on me, I'm going to shoot through the door. I got you. Uh, I don't know if some of you have noticed the smarter police officers in a traffic stop they will pull their patrol car in and not park straight behind you, but they'll actually dip in to the right and then nose back out, and they'll put the left fender right up to the fog line. Now, they've done that for two reasons. One, when they walk up to your door, that part of their car actually has got it given them about a two-foot barrier from the road so any vehicles that are passing them, you know, will tend to, you know, not want to be as close to the object, and they'll tend to lean out toward the center line and and go on. And now, actually, if you do get that one guy who's drunk or not paying attention, he'll hit the police car and skip off and hopefully not hit the police officer, and hit, that's his thinking. But 
If he finds himself in a shootout situation with someone in a vehicle, he now has radiator, engine block, fender, door, main body of car. And now he has cover. Because I know you've heard of the KTW or some other armor-piercing handgun round or the 357 that's carried by highway patrolmen because it shoots engine blocks. They can shoot the engine block. I've used the KTW rounds that were very popular in the 70s on a full-bore 357 Magnum, and I shot in an engine block. And I almost killed myself from the splintering rounds of that alleged armor-piercing round that just did a divot, just a divot on a cast-iron engine block. Trust me. Yeah, you might take out the pop metal water pump, but that's still the car is going to run for at least a few miles till it's expired and and drained out all the water. You poke a hole in the radiator, same thing. It's going to run some, enough to run you over if you're trying to stop it and stand in front of it. Most equipment, helicopters, jet aircraft, vehicles, you take out the computer that runs the equipment, i.e. the brain of the operator. You shoot the operator. You shoot the pilot. You shoot the driver. That's how you stop those vehicles. If you don't have an anti-tank rocket and the driver's got his hatch open and he's got his little head sticking out because he wants that cool air because he's tired of being cooped up and battened down inside that thing. You know, put one between his eyes. Take his melon out. That stops the tank long enough for them to try and get the guy out. And certain modern military tanks of certain origins, the driver compartment is no longer connected to the rest of the vehicle. They have to actually get him out and get a new guy down in there to drive it. Well, gee, when they're coming out of that turret up there, they make excellent targets. And there's only four of them in there. So if you take them out, then guess what? Gee, who owns the tank now? Think about it. And they, you know, so back, back to the, the, the psychology of cover and concealment for the opposing force. If they think you're covered, they're less likely to try and shoot where you're at. So you have that. But you can't always rely on that. It's better to just know that you're going to have real cover. I found myself on a highway in a shooting circumstance with some bad guys. Instead of trying to necessarily hide behind a car door, I might throw myself across the median if I'm close to that concrete barrier that's called a K-rail. Now that baby is cover. And some concealment. And, uh, you know... If you're, if you're behind a long object like that, you fire from one position, drop down and crawl 25 or 30 feet before you pop up. They're expecting you to be over here to the right when you just move to the left or vice versa. Uh, give yourself some tactical advantages by making your movements, uh, you know, and be unpredictable. You know, that's the... I tell you, the worst thing, you know, you, you, you get yourself in a set of circumstances where you always do the same thing, become predictable, and then, uh, you know, that's why you have to mentally learn to do left turns. 90% of people in a panic situation will do right turns in a car because it's easier. you got to learn to go left, cross traffic, 
make maneuvers that you might not necessarily make under other circumstances to escape and evade from your circumstance or your situation. After this segment's over, I've got a story to tell you about a gentleman who found himself in a position where he wished he had a gun. And we'll talk about that uh, the next after the next break. Anybody want to call? It's an excellent time to do it right now. Go ahead and give a call. Ask a question. 800-596-8191. For those of you with uh, unlimited minutes or international callers. All right. This is American Voice Radio. And... And the next little thing I'd like to talk about, I've talked about this before, but I'm going to remind those new listeners haven't heard this, and uh, unless you heard a, a, a prior show, photocopy your documents. Your important documents, you need to make your photocopies of it, and you also need to make miniatures. Shrink them down, your family photos, your birth certificates and all these things, and you make a miniature, and then you laminate them. Uh, especially family photos, you know, because that'll be that'll be in photos of your loved one. Uh, you want to make yourself a, a, a windchill uh, chart, uh, a reminder first aid chart, uh, little cards. You make up all these little cards yourself, or extract them from a book, shrink them down, uh, keep them to where you can read them, and remember to always back your laminated items with something else. You're paying for the lamination. Hey. You got a back thing on there, you know, use it. You know, use the back. Put your documentation. You know, some people, I know one guy, he put the family photo and then he put the windshield chart on the other side. He didn't, you know, and he, you know, he had both. He had, you know, psychologically soothing uh, and an actual piece of, you know, I need this to live, uh, you know, chart and data and information. And then you can put this all in a, a little container, a little Ziploc bag. Uh, you know, a, a little plastic uh, box. You can find different different containers. You just have to shop around, uh, and you'll find something that's uh, that'll work for your your photos and your documents and things like that. And you can keep them from getting all chewed up and tore up, and you keep them close to your close to your heart and one of your one of your cargo pockets on your on your combat shirt. And then you're and then you're covered with information and psychological. You know, you might want to put a, a favorite song, a hymn or something like that, or something gospel or some scripture, something that you can hang on to and read real quick off of a card just to re- reaffirm in, uh, your mind and, and your soul. Kind of like a salve, a first aid kit salve for your for your mind and body. A little document uh, and photographs and, and, and inspirational uh, quotes and sayings. That's our urban survival tip for the week. Uh, medical, I would like you all to, uh, you know, find yourself a good uh, documentation on on the isotropic exercises, um, you know, where you can't necessarily get up and move, but you want to, you know, pressure against pushing and pulling and moving your legs up and down and bending your ankles and shaking your calves. These are good exercises for in camp when you might not necessarily be able to get out and move around, but you do want to do some of these exercises, you know, 10, 15 minutes in the morning, 10, 15 minutes in the evening, and then, you know, do some breathing exercises. And one of the best breathing exercises that I know is to inhale at the count of 10 through your nose, hold to the count of 10, 
and exhale slowly through your mouth to the count of 10. Eventually, one day, you'll find yourself being able to go longer than 10. And, and that uh, gives, your, gives that oxygen that you breathe in a chance to actually do some good transfer and exchange. And then as you breathe out, you're expelling the bad gases. And, and, uh, and if you'll do three of those in a row to whatever count you're, you're up to, you'll lift your diaphragm uh, up off your stomach, which has a tendency to, to make you nervous. Uh, and, and that'll help relax you and calm you and, and get you right uh, physically uh, for arduous events or circumstances or situations. Uh, one of the best things you can do in a life-threatening situation is relax. I'm not saying relax to the point where you're just this big pile of goo and jello on the floor, but relax your breathing, relax your mind, and fall back on your training. And remember, training isn't just going to a class somewhere or reading a book. It's scenario and role-playing in your mind. Well, what would I do in this circumstance? And then you sit there and play a movie in your mind of you doing it. And you visualize the entire event, how many times you're going to fire your weapon to change magazines, uh, where you would move to the right or the left in the scenario. Uh, what you're going to do after you've accomplished a certain section of goals in the scenario. And you do this in your mind, and you, you create circumstances and situations. Now you've built a database, you know, everything. You might find yourself in a circumstance which won't be identical to the way you, you envisioned it or dreamed it or thought it up for your, your role play in your mind. But now all of a sudden you've got elements. And you, if you've scenarioed four or five or ten different situations, you may find you have uh, the, the current real-world situation that's facing you right this very second. So you can reach into those and pull out the different elements and combine them because you see you've already load, uploaded the information. You've already put yourself in a position where, well, this could happen. You know, I... Don't dislike movies that have, you know, that are really well crafted and, and are authentic and use real technique and real situation. And then you can always take, you know, you got to be a little discerning and throw out the bovine scatum parts and, you know, pick, pick the jewels, pick the jewels out and then, and then leave the rest. And then you'll find yourself uh, with a greater uh, grasp, and then go out and really train, build scenarios, and train. Get a get a group of your of your friends together, and then practice. Uh, training isn't just with the guns. Training is going out and uh, you know taking the beans and the rice, and cooking them out in the field, getting a live chicken, and and killing it and cooking it in the field. Um, Learning to, you know, practicing different ways to build a fire. And I don't mean, oh, it's going to be a beautiful weekend. Let's go do the camping. Hey, wait a little dead middle of winter, snow on the ground, and go camping. You know, still do the beautiful camping, but do the one in the winter. Do the one on the weekend that you know it's going to rain. And just see what the level of misery is and think, hmm, what would I do if I was living the whole winter 
the whole fall and the whole winter out here. What is it that these last three days I really missed? What was the thing I did, made the mistake on that, you know, I now know how to improve that? And uh, speaking of today, uh, you know, uh, having, having, you know, the things in your mind, I, I was down at the, uh, at the local VA clinic, and I was talking to a lady, and she had got a call, and I had to sit there and wait for a minute. And someone, I guess they, they had brought some coffee in, and there was a couple of cans of coffee. Well, I can't really call them cans anymore. They're plastic. But these big Folger plastic coffee containers. And it just dawned on me. I went bright red, beautiful size. Screw on plastic lid. My gosh, you put all the things in a plastic bag and then dump it down in that container and throw it in the trunk of your car. Tie a rope around it and tape it on, and now you go rafting. You make a looped 550 cord and you loop that onto something on the raft. You've got an emergency survival kit. And it floats. And it, and it stays dry. And I would put a little pot, a little metal pot that would fit through the opening, a little cup, you know, something to cook in. Put your cup of soups and your rations and your bouillon cubes and your salt and your pepper and your fire starting equipment and your Leatherman tool, your knife, your camper, your your your, your Victoria Knox camper or Huntsman knife, uh, your your chem lights, your flashlight. Well, man, you could put a ton of stuff in one of those containers. But I already had in my mind building survival kits, little tin kits and mini kits and and medium sized kits. And there all of a sudden was a new container idea presented to me in, in, in my mind, and I was able to say, hey, you know, that'll work, and I'll, I'll tell the folks about it. And uh, by all means, you know, if you come across some idea, you know, and it hasn't been expressed here, you know, get in contact with me and let me know, and I'll, I'll definitely research it and look into it and, then, and, and let everyone else know. Uh, we, we're, uh, we're a team here. We're... This isn't me talking. This is uh, you guys are, are part of this, and uh, definitely, you know, this is um, this is a little ministry for me. Uh, I, I want you all to be as as many of you to be prepared as possible for whatever may come, so that you can be a, a tool for the Lord uh, and you know, be in be in service of Yahweh. So if we keep learning together, and I'll tell you, all the years I've I've uh, been prepared for whatever may come. I'll be honest with you, I've kind of let the cobwebs grow and a little bit of rust. And uh, doing this show has actually helped me knock a lot of that rust back off and uh, made me go out and dig out the books and uh, re-relearn some things. So when I get back, we're going to talk about the favorite subject of a lot of folks on uh, American Voice Radio survival side, guns, weapons, firearms. This is uh, Richard McGregor on This Is Survival Time. I know a man who lives way up in Idaho. 
One day the federal troops showed up and shot his wife and son. It's coming down. It's all around. The New World Order training armies on our ground. Stormtroopers dressed in black and blue. Aim the crosshair of their guns at me and you. Way down upon a I saw the lawless law there flex its long lean arms Before the sealed search warrants could even be served Hey, times are tough, so American Voice Radio Network is cutting the price to $17.95. That's right, $17.95 plus mailing. You can protect yourself, family, and friends from cell phone danger to your inner ear. $17.95 at TheAmericanVoice.com. That's the superstore at TheAmericanVoice.com. $17.95 plus mailing. Order now. makes deep sea salt from France so different. Up from the ocean depths in the south of France flow undersea rivers of pristine sea water. At high tide, the prepared salt ponds are filled with this water. Over spring and summer, processed only by ocean breezes and sunshine, the brine thickens and salt crystals float to the top. These are harvested with nets and deposited on wooden drainage flats to dry. The salt is then gathered up, packaged, and shipped around the world. This salt is much more than a box of lifeless sodium chloride. Soldiers worth their salt were once paid with this valuable commodity. It contains 78 to 84 balancing elements. This is living salt, and once you have tasted it, you will never go back to anything else. I've seen this salt in gourmet shops for $30 a pound. Get it now at 4spectrum.us for under $8 a pound. Order 10 pounds and enter the coupon code AVRSALT at checkout and save $20. Ships free to your door or call 800-581-8906. Order today. Can your family survive a food shortage lasting two weeks, six months, or maybe longer? Sound far-fetched? We live in precarious times. There is an ever-increasing possibility of food shortages caused by terrorist attacks, natural disasters, truck strikes, or monetary collapse. You owe it to yourself and family to prepare, and you can by getting a supply of our long-storing, freeze-dried, dehydrated foods. Our foods are time-tested to store for decades, require a minimum of time and energy to prepare while maintaining superior nutritional value, freshness, and taste. Our foods were 
designed for the space program and are in constant use today by our own nuclear submarine service. Contact the Freeze Dry Guy today at freezedryguy at landset.com. That's freezedryguy at l-a-n-s-e-t dot com or call 530-265-8333. 530-265-8333. And let them know you heard it on American Voice Radio. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Uh, done 
someone in relationship to these five guys uh, wrong, then they were going to make uh, make things right. So Mr. Mueller felt, uh, you know, that he was uh, his life was under threat. And uh, in New Jersey, to get a concealed weapons permit, you need to be approved by the state police and have judicial approval. Well, he just recently had been turned down uh, by the judicial approval by the judge, who basically stated that he had yet to sh- he did not show any reasonable or substantial reasoning for needing to have the firearm. That basically the guys were caught. And he didn't need to feel any intimidation or retaliation from from their friends, associations, or family, and and therefore he didn't need a gun. And I was just thinking, you know, that's really nice of that judge. You know, he's determined that you know, you know, we, you know, who, once you're traumatized by some situation like that, can you imagine if uh, Mr. Mueller had been in a state where it was easier to get a concealed weapons permit, and he had already been armed when this circumstance and this situation had occurred. He might have found himself in a completely different set of circumstances uh, right off the bat and might not have had to go all the way to Missouri. I mean, after all, I mean, you got to go there to show people things, the show-me state. So, you know, I don't necessarily need to be shown that uh, people can kidnap me. So, you know... Those of you who have the wherewithal and the ability, you know, get yourself a permit, get yourself a firearm. Uh, I'll tell you, uh, where I first initially heard this uh, uh, this story, um, a gentleman that was talking about it uh, actually advocated that you just go ahead and carry, uh, which was pretty bold on his part, uh, on a nationally syndicated radio program. Uh and his his whole premise was it's better to be carried, uh, you know, be, better to be tried by twelve than carried by six. And I and I I understand that. And, and uh, each individual person has to make up their own mind. You know, as I've talked about in the past, the uh, quote unquote uh, I call it the California carry briefcase, where you get the uh, push button combination lock, key box from Harbor Tool and Freight. Uh, you mounted inside a rolling combination lock briefcase. Now you have double locking container. You can leave it unlocked on the front seat of your vehicle. You can leave the lid up. And if you get pulled over in a traffic stop, you just reach over and close it. Police officer asks you what you're doing. So I'm getting my driving documents. In fact, it might be wise to put your, a copy of your insurance and, and, uh, and information inside the briefcase so you can take it out so you're not you're, you're, you're natural. You're not, you're not, you're not, uh, you know, I, I had my driving documents in here. I had to get them out for you. I knew, you, you know, you're pulling me over. I wanted to make sure I had the paperwork all ready for you, officer. So, uh, can I look in the briefcase? To what purpose, officer? There's nothing in there that it, it should concern you. And it shouldn't concern you. You're not a criminal intending to shoot the police officer. So you're not lying. There's nothing in the briefcase that should concern him. But it should concern the scumbag that wants to do you wrong. And uh, having a good, reliable, uh, decent firearm, you know, to protect yourself and your family. And then you can go ahead and get your Kalashnikov. And for those of you poor souls out there that have a poodle gun, an AR-15, I implore you, 
get rid of it. You know, find someone else who thinks they've got to live with the poodle gun. Uh, you know, adopt your poodle gun, you know, out to someone else. And take the resources you, you, you gain from, from that. You know, and most of those poodle guns cost twice what an AK does. So just think about that. You know, you'll wind up with two AKs. You know, right now, you can get yourself an ISO AK from ISO. You go through, go through Atlantic Arms, AtlanticArms.com, and have it, you know, go to your local dealer, and, you know, get it all arranged and lined up, and then just pay your, your dealer his whatever his fee is to do the paperwork. And then um, J&L Distributors, JNL.com, has a Romanian AK pistol. And you get a group of you together. They're three forty nine just to buy one wholesale. And they're three nineteen if you buy five or more. So you get five of your friends together, and you each go get one of those. And it is just basically an eight inch barreled AK without a stock on it. Now, you can't legally you may, you are not you may not legally according to the alcohol the back on firearms put a stock on that weapon unless you apply for a short barrel rifle tax stamp two hundred dollars and the appropriate background check so whatever you do if you buy yourself a Romanian folding stock wire folding stock for $49 from at least three or four different places in the Shotgun News, do not take the Romanian stock that you buy from Shotgun News and put it on the Romanian folding uh, AK pistol without doing your proper paperwork. Of course, if you had the stock and you had the AK pistol and the poop hits the fan and the rules go out the window, what you do then is your own business. You understand what I'm trying to tell you. Have your accoutrements. Don't break the law. But be prepared to do what you would really need to do. And that's an excellent. You've got a wife with some young children. She's a mama with a papoose on the front to haul the baby around. And you get those Swedish baby carriers if you got little ones. I want to hold the baby up front. One of those things called. I can't think of the name of them now. A friend of mine's wife sells them on eBay used all the time. Anyway. Great little uh, baby carriers. Woman's got that. She's got that little Kalashnikov thrown over her shoulder, you know, and she's out tending the garden with the baby in the AK. What a picture. What a picture. A friend of mine the other day says, oh, you like to keep your women under subjection, barefoot and pregnant in the kitchen. And I go, no, shoes are optional. So teach your women to defend themselves. They're not to be active combatants. This does not mean they, they you know, they need to know how to protect the hearth and home. So they need training, too, and they need a weapon. And at, in a group purchase of 319 now you still got to pay shipping, about 12 bucks, and you're going to have to pay your dealer. we got a dealer around here who does it for 30 bucks for us, no matter what it costs. And so he doesn't even charge the 10%. He just charges, well, that would be 10% about on that one, but uh, he could buy a, a $1,000 rifle, and he still charge you 30 bucks. So, um, you know, find yourself a dealer who treats you like that, uh, and then buy ammunition and stuff. I mean, buy a holster, buy some stuff. You know, keep your local guy open. Take care of your 
your local uh, gun dealer. And, you know, he's going to have used guns in there, you know. You, you, you know, you might you know, go in and tell a guy, you know what, I can't afford 179 or 199 for Ruger 1022. The next Ruger 1022 you got in here that's solid, functional, I don't care what it looks like, but you can sell for a buck and a quarter, call me. Here's my number. Hey, he'll get, a, he'll get one in that, you know, he paid some guy 100 bucks for, and he'll turn around and quick, quick $25 in his pocket. Hey, you know what? Uh, Bill wants this 1022. I'm going to go ahead and pick it up. I already know I got a customer for this rifle. Hey, Bill, I got a 1022 down here, 125 bucks. You go down there, you got your 1022. Uh, you do the same thing with a with a Ruger Mark One or Mark II pistol. Oh, and there you go. Bob's your uncle. Uh, you want to get out there right now? I tell you, there's some there's some uh, ammunition is is uh, plentiful at the WalMarts. Uh, you want to definitely get down there and start, you know, getting your larder build up. Uh, there's inflation is coming. Walmart's officially warned about it. I've heard that uh, a couple other businesses now are, are on that wagon singing the song. They're prepping everybody. Now, they prepped us months ago about cotton products, and you can already see the prices are going up on cotton products. You know, get your skivvies and your T-shirts and your, your, your socks out of the way. Get your toothpaste and your toilet paper. Get your ammunition and your firearms. And don't ever forget, Beans, rice, and bullets. That's our favorite mantra here. Lots and lots of pinto beans, lots and lots of rice. And it is white rice. I know that's not the best. That makes some of you organic um, and healthy eating people cringe, but okay. Cringe with me on a full stomach while you contemplate getting some uh, wild rice. You know, you'll, you'll at least have something to keep you going long enough to find your dandelion uh, root and, and, and uh, your barberry and whatever else it is you want to make a nice salad out of one day, your mustard greens and turnip greens and your wild elderberry and, uh, you know, your palmetto hearts and uh, anything else that you're out there, you know, that's edible. And there's thousands of edible plants. And you make yourself a nice little salad to go along with your your, your pinto beans and white rice. And then you grind your flour up, and that'll be all whole, a whole thing of your flour. So, you know, beans, rice, and bullets. And right now, we need you to get bullets. Bullets are your lifeblood. They are what protects your beans and rice. They are what protects your wife and your children, your group, your, your friends. They are what, they're, they're what gives your liberty teeth the bite. Your liberty teeth, your firearms, and your bite. You've got to have the, the, you know, like you have salt for your food, your bullets are the salt for your weapons. And speaking of salt, I did want to talk about this, and I kind of forgot to talk about it last one. But I wanted to tell you, I got myself some of the Steve Sea Salt from Jerry at Four Spectrum. And boy, is he right. Talk about taste good. And I am telling you, I've already had it on baked potato. I've had it on some other stuff. I can't wait to get a fresh garden tomato and throw some of that on there. It is great salt, folks. So if you you know you need to put salt away, I highly recommend you purchase that salt. You know, call him up, get ten pounds of it, get fifty pounds of it. And I know it's going to cost some money, but boy, I'll tell you, get it ten pounds of the whack. 
and you will you will be a happy camper because I'll tell you when you aren't eating any processed foods, you're not getting any salt, and salt is what runs the world. You know, to this day, you can trade 500 pounds of salt for a wife in uh, in uh, northern Africa. Serious. So uh, you definitely need the salt to go with the beans, rice, and the bullets. Uh, did uh, there's uh, now now our WalMarts in this area and the WalMarts are different in some places, but there was um, for those of you with a nine millimeter, there is a really high quality. Well, now I tell you, the people that make Rolexes and Swiss Army knives, can they do? Any worse? Would they do worse on ammunition? Heck no. And um, this is um, Swiss 9mm Luger ammunition. It is It is called, I'm trying to get the name of it here. It's uh, RWS 9mm Luger. It's a 50-round box, and I like it because it's those tight-packed boxes like the military. Not a lot of styrofoam and plastic, and it's, you know, the, the box is about three inches by about an inch and a, three quarters and by about an inch. It's a black and orange box. If you're looking from the top, uh, three-fourths of the box label is black, and then about a, uh, uh, one-fourth off to the side is orange. And it, and it's got, uh, because they they sell to so many different uh, um Languages. They have little pictures down here, uh, 50, and, you know, to tell you that, you know, be careful and be safe. RWS is in a, is in a round circle logo above the 9-millimeter over the black. And a very nice, tightly packed, uh, good quality box. 124-grain, full metal jacketed, round nose, 9-millimeter, function just about anything you got. Um, surefire, good, good penetration, uh, good transfer, shock transfer. $12 a box at Wally World. And they've, you know, so far all the Walmarts around here have got a couple of thousand rounds on the shelf. Now, you know, those of you know that last year you couldn't find a box of 9mm anywhere. So if you need 9, there's your 9. Right now there seems to be being a shortage of 45. Uh I wouldn't know anything about that. I wouldn't know anybody who's buying 10 or 12 boxes at a time. But you got to get out there and, you know, hustle. Hustle to get your get your ammunition. Uh, 40 caliber Smith & Wesson seems to be pretty consistent right now. 38's quite readily available. 357's a eh, hit and miss. And the, the odd calibers, if you're into 44 Magnum, uh, 41 Magnum, 45 Colt, these are typically a little more harder to find and, unfortunately, a little bit more expensive. So consider consider seriously before you buy, uh, you know, a, a handgun in that caliber. Now, I carry a 6-inch 41 Magnum Smith & Wesson. That's on a cross draw over my left hip. That is a – that's my cat gun. And I don't mean little kitty cats. I mean the golden ones that, you know, that uh, – you know, Mercury cougar cats, you know, panthers in Florida, even though they look the same. Or uh, Mr. Bruin, the bear. Or any two-legged animal that happens to come into my camp. But more appropriately for the two-legged animal, I got the forty-five on the hip, on the right hip. 
I'm not just carrying one. But you don't need a ton of ammunition for the for the uh, for the predator uh, defensive weapon. Uh, and you know you got the six inch barrel. You give a little bit more accuracy. Uh, you only got six rounds though, so you got to make them count when you're when you're going to use us. So you don't need to carry as much ammunition. Uh, four speed loaders loaded up, uh, and 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 the one in it that's thirty rounds around a camp. And then you carry a couple of magazines and your 45 loaded. And for camp activities, you know, you're going to have your Kalashnikov somewhere nearby handy, loaded, ready to go. Excuse me. Huh. So RWS 9mm, ammunition recommendation of the week. And uh, you'll be happy with this ammunition. Uh, if, like I say, if you've got a 9mm. Remember again, choose your caliber, commit to it, get the ammunition, get the magazines, get the weapon. If you've got the plastic, go ahead. This is one case where I, I put something on the card to get it. It's better to have it. Get it get it secured, get it out of the way. I implore you, you know, get your get your liberty teeth, get your defensive firearms. Uh, you know, worry about Rounding out the ammunition for, you know, for Uncle Joe's deer rifle and getting a good piece of solid glass on a good bolt-action Remington or Winchester or Ruger rifle or a Savage. Uh, you know, get the best you can afford to buy. Uh, you know, match it up to the weapon. And then do a little practice and, you know, have yourself a couple hundred rounds of ammunition and be ready to go take game with that puppy. And in a pinch, and use it. You know, to get yourself something else, if you have to. So that's my uh, my uh, firearms advice this week. I uh, want you to all uh, remember to get down to your local gun show and check it out. If you've never been to one, you'll be you'll be uh, pleasantly surprised and pleased. Uh, and how safe you'll feel and how warm and friendly folks are and how much knowledge, and then you can meet people and you can uh, enjoy. You know? And when you go to a gun show, you know, take some money. Plan to buy something. You know, help the vendors out, you know, because they travel a long distance. You know, they they got to put themselves up in a motel. they got to eat whatever food they can get their hands on. And they came out there to bring you good stuff. Uh, the thing that I hated is at the Cow Palace type shows, you know, you go in there and they charge a horrendous amount to park and they charge like eight bucks to park and eight bucks to get in. Well, what's the thing some of the guys would go do? Go over to the concession and I, I you know, the concession wasn't run by the gun show uh, promoter and he didn't put his foot down. He let the concession, being the Cow Palace, they sold beer. And that's a bad mix. I don't like to see beer at gun shows. I just don't. The guy would buy a beer in a little one of those little plastic cups, pay eight bucks for the beer, and then come to my table and tell me he didn't have three dollars to buy a firearms manual on, on on the weapon that he owned. And he's holding that beer in his hand, and I go, "What did you even come here for? I mean, you paid so much money to get through the door, you know." So so take some money, buy some things. You don't have to buy a lot of stuff, but, you know, help help some of the vendors out. But you might find the gun of your dreams there. You might find uh, the deal of the century. If you don't know, if you don't go, then you can find the addresses in the back of Gun List or Shotgun News. 
Gunlist is the better directory for gun shows. So you can check Gunlist on, online at gun, gunlist.com and uh, see see uh, see what you can find in your area for a gun show in this couple, upcoming weekend or weekend after. And uh, get your get your teeth get ready. Well, we got about five minutes left. Anybody want to give a call at the very tail end of the show? We didn't get a call all show this week. Uh, remember to support uh, support Tatler. Uh, uh, reusable canning lids, tatler.com, really great uh, product, uh, up to uh, 20 uses, in, uh, 20 seasons, uh, some of the old timers, uh, not even replacing the Red River gasket, getting 20 years out of the gasket, and the lid, what a, what a savings, you know, six, seven bucks for 10 one-time use throwaway uh, disposable lids. Or uh, uh, a dozen reusable lids uh, for twenty one ninety five for regular and twenty three ninety five for wide mouth. What's not to like about that? You save, you get your, you get your repaid the fourth year you use them. Well, that's the end of the show. This is Survival Time. I am your host Richard McGregor. This is American Voice Radio, and we will see you all next Thursday, God willing, and the heart keeps working. And uh, thank you, and God bless. The interest is up, and the stock market down, and you're only getting mugged if you go downtown. Back in the woods, you see My woman and the kids and the dogs and me I got a shotgun, a rifle, and a four-wheel drive And a country boy can survive Country folks can survive I can plow a field all day I can catch catfish from dusk till dawn Make our own whiskey and our own smoke too Ain't too many things these old boys can't do We grow good old tomatoes and homemade wine And country boy can survive body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. 
food prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, and Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific.
Good afternoon, all. This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Stephan. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It is Friday, August 5th, 2016, and it's seven minutes after noon Pacific time. If that's when it is where you're at, we are, in fact, live. 800-932-1980 is the call-in number. Last chance for this week for this show, anyway. 800-932-1980. You can also go to the uh, website, theamericanvoice.com or americanvoiceradio.com. Everything you need to know is on there. Uh, Everything you need to know about this network is on there. Everything you need to know. Well, I don't know where that's all located, but it's all over the place, and there's plenty you need to know. So (laughs) that ought to keep you busy if you're looking for everything you need to know. Yeah, that'll keep you busy for a while. Uh, But we have a chat room there. It's another way you can participate. And you can, uh, you don't have to participate, though. You can just kind of... uh, Socialize with the other folks in there, but it's also a good place to pass on, uh, you know, things like local news that's not being covered and all that good stuff. Anyhow, all right. I wonder here. Uh, let's see here. I'm going to type that in there because it seems I'm getting some sort of error message on my deals here. Okay, so, well, we'll just have to figure out what the heck's going on here at a later date with my uh, with my one computer here that luckily really doesn't have anything to do with the broadcast. All right, let's see here. Well, the first news is, is kind of odd because just last night I was having a chat conversation with a friend of mine down in California and he was talking about the uh that he thinks that this whole Zika Zika Frica out that the media is having is also Bill Gates can get a payoff on his fifty million dollar investment that he made with the company that made these mutant mosquitoes that they are now, the headline for this morning, are going to release in Florida. These are mutated mosquitoes created in a lab. Frankenstein mosquitoes, if you will. And they are going to release them into the wild. Uh... Listen, folks, do you envision anything could go wrong with that idea? I mean, honestly, do you? I do. You start putting mutate. Look, okay, look what happens. Look what happens when farm fish get in with the regular population. Look what happens when GMO crops get near, you know, anybody else's farm. They spread, okay, because they're not natural. They are what amounts to as a noxious weed, okay? 
This is not going to be good, folks. These mosquitoes are going to cause some real big problems. And, you know, Bill Gates, he doesn't fund anything that doesn't kill people, okay? Yeah, Bill and Melinda Gates, little foundation where we're here to help everybody. No, he's not. This is the guy that says, you know, if we do vaccinations right, we can kill 15% of the population. The whole population. Do you realize? Hey, let's do a little math here. What is exactly 15% of 7 billion people? Huh? That's like a billion people. Okay? Let's, let's be clear here. Okay, Bill Gates is saying if we do vaccinations right, we can kill about a billion people. Woohoo! And you're going to allow this guy to release mutant mosquitoes into the wild? Oh, I think this is a bad, bad choice, man. Yeah, I don't see any good coming out of this. But they don't care. See, they're doing it because, well, hey, it's Bill Gates, and he owns the government now. Or... Stay on him. Because let's not forget, the government sued Microsoft a while back, many, many years ago. And Microsoft lost. And what was it about? Oh, it was about monopoly power. And they were found guilty. They lost. You know what that means? Well, let's look back in history. What did that mean? What did it mean for Standard Oil? What did it mean for AT&T? What did it mean for Bell? It means we're busting you up into little pieces. That's what it means. Did that happen to Microsoft? No, it didn't happen to Microsoft. As a matter of fact, not much of anything happened to Microsoft. Now, how could that be? The government spends all this time and money prosecuting Microsoft, finding them guilty, and then they do pretty much nothing? Because you know what? Finding these companies, oh, we're going to fine you $500 million, big deal. That's like telling you, okay, that's a, that'll be a $25 ticket. Oh, okay, let me write the check, big deal. So what happened? Yeah, what happened indeed? What happened was Microsoft agreed, okay, look, if you let us survive the way we are, the behemoth that we are, we'll write back doors in every single program we get. And we'll go out and we'll acquire other programs like Skype, things that people like to use, and we will put back doors in all of that too. That's why Skype had so many problems when Microsoft first took it over, because they were real busy putting all their little back doors in Skype. And every once in a while, when you start changing code by throwing back doors in it, you sometimes screw up and things don't work right. Well, that's what you're experiencing with Skype. And that's why it happens that way, because that's what Microsoft did, and that's why they still survive. So Microsoft is nothing but a vassal of the government. And now, we're going to have mutant mosquitoes into the wild. Oh, what could go wrong, huh? I mean, hey, 
And why? Why are we doing this? Oh, well, because Zika is so uh, dangerous because the little babies are being born with big heads or little heads or something, right? Well, that's all BS anyway, folks. Folks, listen, you're being fed a narrative by the media that Zika, you get bit by this mosquito, you get pregnant, your baby's born with a little head or a big head or whatever kind of head it is. It's not normal, right? Oh, well, hey, guess what? The Zika virus has been known since the 40s. The Zika virus symptoms are mild flu-like symptoms, not little babies having big heads, okay? What the big heads coming out is down in South America, what the problem is, is the pesticides from these uh, corporate farms have polluted the water supply. That's what's happening. Do you know down in Rio, if you drink three teaspoons, you know how small a teaspoon is? Three teaspoons of water, you're going to the hospital. Wow, what a great place for the Olympics. Why don't we just have the Olympics at a nuclear waste dump next time, huh? Why don't we do that instead? That'll be better. Because that's about what Brazil is right now. I mean, really, the police are on strike, the fire department's on strike, you've got people robbing Olympic athletes. The water is so so polluted, they have to wear waterproof suits to go do their canoeing and stuff, or else they'll die. You drink the water, you'll die. And they blame it on mosquitoes. It's not mosquitoes, folks. It's the pesticides that they have contaminated the water with. And they don't want to let anybody know. They're covering it up. So they're blaming it on this mosquito, calling it the Zika virus, because that's a catchy little name. But it's been around since the 40s, and it has mild flu symptoms. See, they figure nobody's going to look any of this stuff up. And most people don't look any of this stuff up. You get a fancy little TV doctor with a white coat come up there and tell you, oh, yeah, Zika virus, very bad, very bad. we got to do something about it, blah, 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 blah. You get the CDC liars from the U.S. government up there covering up their dirty little cat box down there they got in uh, South America. Oh, yeah, Zika virus, very bad, bad, bad. we got to do something about it. And here's Bill, Bill Gates to the rescue. Oh, hey, I've got some mutant mosquitoes we can release into the wild. You watch, folks. You watch what starts happening down in the Keys and in Florida. After they release these mutants. And the FDA just approved it. So it's going to happen. Oh, man, 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 oh, man. I'll tell you what. This is not good news, folks. But, hey, at least I'm far away from Florida. That's all I can say. We don't have many mosquitoes up here in Oregon. Not where I live anyway. So, huh. oh, well. Man, oh, man, oh, man. And again, I'll, I'll remind you, the White House has has assured Donald Trump that the election won't be rigged. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, sure. What's some other good ones? Oh, yeah, I promise I won't. Oh, no, I can't say that on the air. Uh, well, pretty much anything the government says is a lie. So if they tell you the election won't be rigged, you can bet it will be rigged. 
I'm, I'm telling you, Donald Trump's got billions of dollars at his disposal, and he better start using some to uh, get some. He, he better buy some 16-year-olds living in mommy's basement that do nothing but hack computers all day long and get them on his side working for him. I'm serious, man. That's the only chance he's got. He needs somebody out there playing against the other side. Because if they're allowed to just run rampant with their little computers at the NSA, he's over, man. It doesn't matter if everybody in America supported him. And you know what? I'm convinced now these arrogant SOBs in Washington, D.C., in the Democratic Party, they don't care. They don't care if everybody in the country votes for Donald Trump. They'll still come out and say, oh, look, Hillary won. Now we're going to take all your guns, so calm down and shut up. Oh, yeah? Well, that'll be war. If Hillary Clinton becomes president, it will be war. And I'm not talking war with any other country. I'm talking civil war. I, for one, will not. Uh, that's it. If Hillary Clinton becomes president, the federal government loses absolutely all authority to say anything to me. They are an invader, an occupier, and an enemy. That's what they become. They're already all that. But if they elect her, I will consider that an act of aggression. And I think every American out there should, too. Because we know what she's going to do. See, I'm willing to give Trump a chance. Because I don't know what he, he has no He has no record in politics. He's got some good rhetoric. Let's see what he does. Hillary Clinton, we know what she's going to do because she's already done it. And she's going to continue to do it. Lie, cheat, steal, murder. Yeah. If we sit and take her as president and accept it, we're no better than every little banana republic we've ever watched and wondered, gee, why do those people put up with such a scumbag leader as they got? Golly, why don't them people get in them train cars and just roll on off to the death camps? Golly, why? Yeah, golly, why? I don't know. Go look in the mirror. Ask yourself, oh, gee, golly, why? Because we're doing exactly the same thing. And here's another one. Not quite as dangerous as Hillary Clinton, but pretty much as, you know, close to, he just hasn't been around as long. Give him time, he'll be just as big a criminal as her. And that, of course, is Paul Rhino. Yep, Paul Rhino, he's a little worried about his election hopefulness here because, you know, he's scared. Look at the Democrat, he acts just like Hillary Clinton. What does Hillary Clinton do? No press conferences. She doesn't want to have any debates with Donald Trump, but they're kind of forced to have three. And let's put them on, you know, uh, Sunday night football and Monday night football, and let's put them on times when nobody will be watching because, well, we don't want anybody to see this meltdown Hillary's about to have. Okay? Well, hey, Paul Rhino, let's look at him. No debates, no open press events. He declines to even go on Fox News. He's running scared is what's happening to him. 
He wants to hunker down and just put out his lie ads to the people of Wisconsin saying, oh, I'm a conservative. I'm for closed borders. I'm for uh, fixing the immigration. I'm for this. I'm against TTP, even though all of that is a lie. You can look at his voting record and see, no, he is the biggest open border proponent in the Republican Party. This guy is no Republican. He he pushed, he shoved the TTP fast track so Obama could by himself just go ahead and sign it. He did that. Okay? He gets all his money from out of state. He gets all his money from the same place as Clinton gets all her money. And now he doesn't want to debate his opponent. He doesn't want to do anything. Why? Because he will be exposed. Because his opponent in Wisconsin is exposing his actual voting record. This guy says, no, we don't need a a wall. But you go look at his house, and he's got a big-ass wall around his house. Really, Paul? Oh, and let me remind you, he's also married to a Democratic lobbyist. A Democratic millionaire lobbyist. What do you think she's lobbying for when they're laying in bed, Barbie? Huh? You know, do you do you guys ever read any spy movies or anything, or spy novels or anything like that? What is one of the things the opposition always does to turn people? Oh yeah, they get a nice big boob blonde babe to come and start loving all over you. Oh, you're the sexiest man ever alive. Yeah, even though you're some fat old dweeb, it doesn't matter. Oh, well, this babe must be blind. That's cool. No, she's not blind. She's an operative for your enemy. Okay? They are infiltrating you. And that's what they did with Paul Ryan. He is, um, what do they call that? compromised. He's a Democratic operative. He's been turned by his little bimbo wife. And yeah, you can be a millionaire and still be a bimbo. That's who Paul Ryan is. And he knows it. That's why he won't do anything. Look, we know Speaker Ryan. He's been on this program many, many times. Fox and Friends host uh, Steve Dosey opened an interview with Neelam on Thursday morning by saying, we invited him to be on today. Later in the interview with Neelam, Dosey divulged even more. We did invite Speaker Ryan to appear today, and he declined. Yes, I don't want to get on TV and debate this man, because he's going to tear me to shreds because my voting record speaks for itself. You know, I mean, we can sit there and tell, you know, say Hillary Clinton's fat, she's old, and she's stupid, and she's ugly, and she's this, and she's that, and, and so's her kid. You know, and, and we can make personal, uh, we can call her a pig, a, a, a biatch. We can, you know, we can take out the personal attacks on her all day long. And that's all fun and games, but the fact of the matter is, her record sucks. Her record is a record of treason betrayal, and criminal activity, including murder and treason. Okay, that's what really matters. And that's what matters about Paul Ryan, too. 
We can, I can call him a rhino and a scumbag and a little weasel and his wife's a bimbo whore. And I can say all those things and make personal attacks against him. And it's all fun and games and it's true. But it doesn't really matter. What matters is his voting record. And it sucks. He's a traitor. He's a fraud. He's an infiltrated, compromised Democrat pretending to be a Republican. I don't know how much clearer I can make it. Same goes for John McStain. Look at his voting record. Start, stop listening to these people and start looking at their voting record. It's easy. You can go online. Man, the Internet is out there, folks. This is the age of information, right? Go look up these people's voting records. You know, you can call them names and all that. That's all... That, Fun and games for political season, and yeah, oh, this is great. Let's call each other names. You know, I, I've got nothing against that. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. What matters is, what have you done? What have you done? And these people like John McStain, Paul Rhino, Hillary Clinton, Mitch McConnell, They've all got voting records, and their voting records suck. And they don't even look as sucky as they really are, because a lot of the votes that they might have made that were good were meaningless. So you've got to look a little further. For instance, when somebody votes yes on something you think was good, but it lost. You know, it lost by a landslide. What that was, was this guy was just simply voting so he could show on his voting record, look, I voted yes on this good thing here. See, look at that. I did that. Yeah, but it was a meaningless vote. You knew it at the time. Look at the close votes. Look at the close votes, and you will see so many traitors in the Congress. It's not even funny. It's not funny at all. It's exactly the opposite of funny. Meaning not funny, okay? That's what we have. And folks, you know, it really doesn't matter who you vote for after that. We are having primaries now. I mean, I don't expect, look, I don't expect people to, you know, because we everybody's been trained and brainwashed into this whole, I'm a Republican, I'm a Democrat, I'm a this, I'm a that, I can't do, you know, I got to vote the party line. And people are like that. And people who cross party lines at this point in history were never of the party they said they were, like Meg Whitman. She's just a liar. She was just there to infiltrate the Republican Party to put Democratic, you know, foundations in the Republican Party. That's what Meg Whitman's purpose was. That's what Paul Rhino's purpose is. That's what Hillary Clinton's purpose is. Do you know she was, uh, oh, what college did she go to? Uh, was it Wesley? It was some girls' college or something. And, uh, yeah, she was the president of the Young Republicans. Do you, do you realize that? I mean, <laughs> it, really? Yeah. All right, well, we're going to take a break. We'll be back in a bit. This is from 72 also. About being on the road. 
It's called Turn the Page. Yeah. One, two, three. You can think about the woman or the girl you knew the night before. But your thoughts will soon be wandering the way they always do when you're riding 16 hours and there's nothing much to do. And you don't feel much like riding You just wish the trip was through
have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. AVR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. Somehow 
back. This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Stephan. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It is still Friday, August 5th, 2016. It is 1243 uh, out here on the Pacific Time Coast, 800-932-1980 is the call-in. The website is theamericanvoice.com or americanvoiceradio.com. Got a chat room there. You can get in there and, uh, you know, participate or just chat with the other folks in there. All right. You know, speaking of which, there was some talk. Somebody asked me in the chat room, do I, uh, do I, you know, why isn't Trump or anybody else, you know, really just hammering on, uh, Hillary Clinton, if she said that she's going to tax the middle class, I mean, is this, you know, is this even real? You know, because if it, it, you know, if it's not real, then they obviously would avoid it and not make a big deal about it. Well, there was a video out about Hillary Clinton having what the people categorized as a seizure or something, and it looked fake. Okay? The video looks fake. Unless she was possessed by demons and we were having a, uh, you know, uh, exorcist moment, that video looked fake. Okay? And that's why I didn't report on that, because when I look at things and they look fake, I'm going to presume they are fake. You know, because this is another thing that the Democrats do. They will put out something outrageous like that, that is obviously fake, and then they will get the conservative out there to start passing it around and going, look at this, 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 and then they'll go, ah, you're an idiot. See how stupid conservatives are? They'll fall for anything. This is obviously a fake. See how stupid Republicans are, and then you walk away with egg on your face. And then from that day forward, when Hillary Clinton really says things and really does things, now you're not sure. Oh, you were sure about the little exorcism uh, video that was obviously a fake, but you're not sure about anything now because, well, that turned out to be a fake, and I believe that. Look, folks, you're going to get fooled from time to time. Ah, don't worry about it. You know, move on. Say, okay, well, that's fine. Somebody's a, a jerk out there, thinks that's funny. You're not helping anybody, okay? All these spoof sites, all these little ha-ha-ha parody news sites are not helping anybody, okay? They're not helping. If everybody realized it was a joke, then fine. But everybody doesn't realize it. And if you go look at these sites, they are designed... To make it so nobody can tell unless they really dig. And how many people out there really dig? Nobody. Well, not nobody, but very few people. So, I'm looking at this video here. Okay? And I see no glitches. I see no nothing that is inconsistent with the whole thing because it's a speech. She's making a speech. A long speech. Because this woman just can't shut up. But she can't shut up because if she shuts up, somebody might ask her a question, and we can't have that. So she just keeps talking. 
All right? And as long as you keep talking, nobody can ask you any questions. And that's her deal. You think Hillary Clinton, if she had a radio show, you'd think she'd have a call-in number? I don't think so. Unless if she did, she would have a, uh, you know, she'd have the CIA as her screener. Actually, she wouldn't even have a screener. She don't need a screener because all her callers would just be paid interns. That's all. That's how the Democratic Party rolls. Ask Debbie Wasserman when she criticized Bernie Sanders for complaining about things aren't fair. Well, well, that's just typical from somebody who's a newbie in the Democratic Party because he just doesn't know how we do things. That's what she said. Really? So how you do things is, like, unfair? You pick who's going to be your nominee, and then you just go through the motions of the primaries? Is that how you do things in in the Democratic Party? Well, apparently it is. And she was rewarded with a nice, big, fat job in Hillary Clinton's campaign for screwing over the other Democratic Party, you know, runner up. Look, I'm no Bernie Sanders fan. If you're going to have a primary election, I mean, it should be fair, don't you think? I mean, if it's not, then what's the point other than fraud? Huh? Oh, oh, by the way, fraud is a bad thing, okay? In case nobody filled you in on that, fraud is a bad thing. But let's listen to Hillary Clinton here. Now, you see, you don't get the benefit of watching the video, uh, I am, so you'll just have to, I guess, take my word for what I'm seeing. Looks like it's, you know, there's no uh, no fun of business going on with this video. But let's give her a listen here. See what she says. And, you know, if you're in the middle class, this applies to you. I'm telling you right now, we're going to write fairer rules for the middle class, and we are going to raise taxes on the middle class. What? And the crowd cheers? <laughs> wow. Okay, so, you know, it really is true. The world is populated by idiots. Uh, well, maybe not. Maybe the world is not populated by idiots. Maybe maybe just they're all at Hillary Clinton's speeches. Yeah, that's what she said. And the crowd cheered. Yay, tax me more. Yay, I don't want all my money. Yay, I want to work for you and give everything to you. Yay. Oh, man. More trouble in Chicago. Chicago police in a nationwide conference call and bulletin warned of civil unrest. (laughs) Okay. Uh, I shouldn't laugh. Because it's really not funny, but in a way, it's kind of hilarious that, listen, this is a town that every weekend, you know, 40 to 60 people get shot. Okay? Every weekend, 40 to 60 people get shot. And I'm not even counting the few people that get shot during the week, you know? And they're talking about, oh, warning, civil unrest. And potential violence. 
Really? So you don't figure between 40 and 60 people getting shot every weekend is potential violence? You don't think that is violence? Boy, they've lowered the bar in Chicago, haven't they? Anyway, they're, they're warning of civil unrest and potential violence against cops. <gasps> Following the department's anticipated release of video related to an incident in which a black man was fatally shot in the back... Two law enforcement officials said Friday the officer violated policy in last week's shooting of 18-year-old Paul O'Neill. Well, I got news for you folks out there. What that department just did was throw that officer to the wolves. Because the minute it's either proven or admitted that an officer violated policy and injured somebody or, you know, damaged you and, you know, something of yours, that immediately opens him up to be sued personally. Do you understand that? Now, a lot of people out there talk all the time about, yeah, well, sue the agency and sue the uh, agent, you know, uh, personally. Well... You know, that sounds good, and that's a good plan, as long as you can show that the agent, officer, whatever, actor, violated the policy of the agency's authority he was acting under. Okay, you have to do that. This is just one of them things that you've got to do in order to proceed, or you will get thrown right on out of court. You have to show they violated policy. Then you can sue them personally, and there is nothing they can do. Because once you're outside the policy box, well, now you don't have any qualified immunity. So they just threw this guy to the wolves. Uh, let's see here. In Sweden, 30,000 refugees go missing. Oops. As the Swedes face increasing violence from asylum seekers. You know, the thing is, let's say you're really a refugee. You know, things are really bad and horrible where you live, and, man, you just want to escape. You want to go live somewhere safe. So somebody says, yeah, okay, come over here. You can be a refugee over here. We'll give you asylum. So you get there. And I don't know, if, if you're for real, if your purpose is really just to escape and go live somewhere safe, you're going to be thankful, aren't you? Oh, man, thanks. You know, you rescued me. You gave me a safe place to live. Gee, man, thanks. Is there anything I can do for you? You know, because, man, you just basically saved my life. I mean, wouldn't that be a normal reaction? So is that the reaction of these Muslim savages that they're calling refugees? Is that their reaction wherever they go? No, it isn't. 
wherever they go, they perpetrate violence against the people of the country that is hosting them. Folks, that tells me their purpose was never to escape a bad situation and just go live somewhere safe. Their purpose was to invade another country. And they're doing it with the help of the United States government in Washington, D.C. And you got to wonder why. Oh, but you don't have to wonder very far because we have a Muslim infiltrator as president, Barack Hussein Obama, with his little dog, Valerie Jarrett, standing behind him telling him what to do. She was born in Iran. How much clearer does this have to get for you? Do you know how many Muslims have been hired by the Department of Homeland Security? Do you realize that Homeland Security just gave a bunch of Muslims up in Minneapolis a tour of all the secured areas of the airport because they were concerned about being uh, profiled? So they gave them a tour of all the secret places and showed them all the ways that they go about, ICE goes about, not ICE, uh, TSA goes about securing the airport in secret places of the airport that you don't ever get to see. But the Muslims got to see it. Now they can report back to their terrorist buddies. Okay, here's the layout of, are, are you kidding me? You know, here's something. After a watchdog blog repeatedly linked him and other local officials to corruption and fraud, the sheriff of Terrebonne Parish in Louisiana on Tuesday sent six deputies to raid a police officer's home to seize computers and other electronic devices. Sheriff Jerry Lapenders deputies submitted affidavits alleging criminal defamation against the anonymous author of the Exposed Dat blog and obtained search warrants to seize evidence in the officer's house and from Bedbook. The officer, Wayne Anderson, works for the police department of Huma, the county seat of Terrebonne Parish, and according to New Orleans WWL-TV, formerly worked as a Terrebonne Sheriff's deputy. So now we have sheriffs raiding people's homes who expose their criminal activity. Huh. Man, I'm telling you, it. we are, you know what? The song I play at the beginning, I know a lot of you don't, you know, don't care for that song as much as you have some others I played, but you better listen. You better start listening to the lyrics, okay? We are on the edge of a revolution. And yeah, y'all need to hear it over and over and over and over again to get it, apparently. I'm encouraged that more people bought guns last month than any any other month prior. We keep breaking records every month. People are out there and they're buying guns. And I'm glad they're buying guns. But always keep in mind, folks, the guns you get to buy are only good to go get better guns when the time comes. Okay? Really. 
That's what do you think the French resistance did? They took their little guns and they went and killed some Nazis and took their better guns. Well, we got our own Nazis, folks. I just told you about one down there in Louisiana. Because you know what? When somebody sits there and starts exposing a sheriff for his corruption and the sheriff sends his thugs out to kick in your doors and take all your stuff, there's something real wrong in America. And I don't think the court system or your politicians are going to fix it. You better get ready. You better get prepared. We're in for a rough ride. So you better buckle up and be ready to rumble because it's coming our way and you've got a choice. You can die on your knees or you can die fighting for what you believe in because either way you're going to die. Everybody dies. So on that cheery note, have a good weekend. I'll be back Monday. Coming up uh, next is Financial Survival, so stay tuned. And as always, thanks for listening.
reinforcing of our beliefs on others that we've seen so much war and destruction happen on this earth. We've seen so much religious hatred and so much animosity from people directed at those who may hold a different belief to what they hold when really both individuals are on a path to knowledge and it is their beliefs which interfere with that path and cause them to inflict themselves on others in what is often a very counterproductive way. And this is very much what we've seen recently in the independent media. People, rather than just presenting facts to the world and presenting viable solutions to the world, they've been attempting to inflict their beliefs and force their beliefs upon others and creating infighting with anybody who doesn't go along or conform to their chosen belief system. And that has caused a huge amount of infighting and virtually little mini-wars that we're seeing throughout the independent media. As I said last week, people have very much lost focus of what the real goal is, and that goal, of course, is freedom. It isn't establishing any one belief to have precedence over another it's attempting to find a path to freedom and find out what the real remedy is to our situation. And I would suggest the real remedy lies in unity and non-compliance. I've been saying this for a long time, but I think that is what is going to bring about change when people simply choose to disconnect from the system and stop going along with it, stop funding it, stop participating, because it's only our participation which keeps the wheels of this mechanism rolling along. But of course the main reason we don't have much luck in that department is division because the response to the system continues to remain divided, continues to be plagued with infighting and opposing ideas and various rabbit holes that everybody wants to lure everybody else into and so the response to the system remains put on the back burner and no one is really doing anything except squabbling and attempting to enforce their beliefs upon everybody else. And be very wary of people who are doing this, folks. Be very wary of people who are promoting distrust because, as I said last week, the independent media has been very, very greatly infiltrated and this can very easily be seen by the amount of infighting and the amount of attention that various so-called researchers are paying to other researchers. Now, there are so many websites and so many people indulging in certain fields of research which are spending so much of their time attempting to destroy the reputation of others rather than addressing the system or addressing the criminals that are running the system. There are so many people that are calling everybody else out as shills and you can rest assured that the ones that are doing this are in fact the shills themselves. Many of these people would most definitely be on government payrolls and their purpose is to create distrust and to create division and to lead people down their respective rabbit holes. And there really has been a lot of this on the internet in the last 18 months to two years. But that's always a good sign, folks. Look for the websites that are promoting hatred and distrust against other researchers, and there you will find those who are indeed most likely to be government agents themselves. It's a tried and true method for controlled opposition, ladies and gentlemen. Infiltrate the response and divide it as much as possible by creating distrust and division and pitting people against themselves. And of course, distracting people and sucking their energy up into rabbit holes that lead nowhere and endless circular arguments. 
And we certainly have seen a lot of that recently, and right along with it, we've seen the control grid ramping itself up ridiculously. We've seen false flag after false flag, and everyone's just kind of ignoring them while they're debating the finer points of their particular rabbit holes and attacking anybody who disagrees with them. It's been very cleverly played, folks, but most definitely orchestrated. You know, it's been very interesting and quite revealing to see just how easily people can be led through the virtual world. In as much as people immerse themselves in the virtual world, they log onto their computers and they log onto the internet and they start checking out things online and they tend to just believe anything that is presented to them and they often forget to actually go out into the real world and perhaps translate that into some real world hands-on research and see if the results stack up the same in the real world as what the information they're being presented online does. And it's been very surprising to see how many people will simply be led down the garden path by information that they find online and are simply not prepared to go and do the hands-on real-world research for themselves. It's been very sobering to see how little attention people pay to details and has very much helped me understand why it's been such an uphill battle attempting to awaken the world and attempting to initiate any type of cooperative, coordinated response to this slavery system. And it's also demonstrated to me how desperately people want someone to save them, how desperate people are for a saviour to come along, someone to lead them out of this mess, some magical piece of information they can find out which is suddenly going to change the world or something that can just change things overnight without them really having to apply themselves to the situation. It's been very, very sobering to see this type of attitude in people and it has very much demonstrated to me why the situation has been allowed to continue so long and why the message has fallen on so many deaf ears. People want something that is exciting. They want something that enthralls them, something that they can get the next chapter of every day, like I often refer to as the spy novel version of reality. People want something to keep them entertained rather than anything that they actually have to participate in. And that has been a real problem. But the distraction has been amazing. And to see how quickly people will cast other people aside simply to jump down a rabbit hole. And as I said, folks, it has been very sad to see how easily humanity allows itself to be led. You know, I really believe that the answer is so simple and that freedom is within arm's reach if people would just reach out and grab it. And it has been a huge source of frustration for me to see, as I said, people being led the way they are and the way people have blinkers on and the way people are so blind to their own surroundings and so blind to their own reality and so willing to believe anything that is presented to them. It really is disturbing, folks, and it really does make me wonder if there is any hope for this species. And I know I touched on that last week, and as positive as I like to try to be, and as positive as I like to keep the message, sometimes I have to ask the question, because you see just how easily people are led, and it, it's just surprising. It really is surprising. Yeah, as said by the Buddha in the quote at the start of the show, you should not believe anything that you have not tested and confirmed for yourself. And... 
it's people's unwillingness to do that that has really caused much of this situation and which allows it to continue. And it's not just in the independent media and with the information that people get online either. I mean, the information that people are fed by the mainstream media and the information they get from schools, the information they get from their newspapers, the stuff that they're told by the local politicians. I mean, most people just take all of this at face value and they just don't go out and do the research for themselves and find out the truth of the matter. And a lot of news stories that you hear, folks, this is just articles that are handed to talking heads by people, and the talking heads have no idea if what they're saying to is true. So you've really got to look at this. And the news that we get today from mainstream sources is all funneled down from Reuters and the Associated Press. And you find out that Reuters actually owns the Associated Press, and Reuters is owned by the Rothschilds. So... All the information that we get is filtered. All the information that we get via the mainstream is filtered anyway. And much of the information that we're now getting via independent sources is also subject to infiltration. And there's a lot of disinformation. A lot of news sites just spring up out of nowhere. A lot of YouTube channels, folks, people that are springing into being and they seem to be authorities on all sorts of things. And suddenly you'll get these news channels just come online and they've got 20 or 30,000 subscribers out of nowhere and they are getting tens of thousands of hits on their videos and yet you've never heard of these people before. So where are they suddenly coming from? And what you can see, folks, is that what has happened has been a gradual undermining of the independent media and a gradual watering down of reliable information. A lot of people are presenting blatant disinformation, but those who are doing so are also making sure that they're intertwining a lot of very reliable information in amongst it. And that's how it's done, folks. You've got to present a little bit of truth to people in order for them to buy the lie. That's how COINTEL works. And there is very much a COINTEL infiltration that has happened into the independent media. As I said a few shows ago, folks, be careful who you follow. And really what you should be doing is following yourself. You need to be looking at information objectively, all information, sure, consider it, but look at it objectively and make your own mind up on things, folks. And if the information that you're receiving is attacking other people and not leading you to self-empowerment and some roadway to freedom, or at least a discussion that may lead to freedom, then you're being led down the garden path. So be very, very careful of where you're getting your information from and what beliefs you are being talked into buying into along the way. Now, just ask the question, folks, are the thoughts you're having your own thoughts? Are the beliefs you're having your own beliefs? Do you believe them because you've actually done the research and done the investigation and you are judging for yourself without any peer group pressure or any need to conform to anybody else's beliefs? Just look at things for yourself, folks, and always stay true to yourself. It's extremely important that people do this. And it's also a very empowering thing for people to do. Now you start forming your own ideas on things, folks, and you start to really discover your self-worth, and you start to see the value that you have, because everybody has value. Everyone has value, and every moment has value as well, folks. That's something that I've very much discovered in my life, is that every moment has value. Every minute that you're alive means something, and every 
person that you come into contact with, there's a reason for that. Everything that happens in your life happens for a reason. And it's about opportunity and it's about growth. And it's about opportunity for growth as well. You know, people very often don't see the value in each moment and they don't see the opportunity in each moment. But these things do exist. The problem is that people often think that these moments will come again. They think that it's circular, things will come around again, here's an opportunity now, but if I don't take it, well, I'll just do it next time. And then they wait and they wait, but that next time never comes. It's like something that just passed you once and reached out to you, but you were too afraid to reach out and embrace it, too afraid to take that plunge, too afraid to open a new doorway or walk into the unknown. But that's what life is, folks. Life is about walking into the unknown. I mean, every moment really is an unknown moment. The moment that is coming after this one is an unknown moment. Anything could happen in the next five minutes. You just don't know. Life could drastically change. The world could change. Everything could change. And change really is about the only thing that you're going to find to be consistent in life, really, when you look at it. That's about the only thing that remains consistent is constant change, if that is any type of consistency. But you find that these moments come and you think they're going to come again, and so you don't embrace them. But the trick is to see the beauty in each of these moments and see the opportunity in each of these moments and realize that each one is a fleeting glimpse into a possible future. And it's up to you as to whether you are willing to take the plunge. You know, very often we are safe in our little comfort zones and we don't wish to step outside of our comfort zones for fear of what may be around the corner. But very often we can come back to these comfort zones if we really need to. But if we're never prepared to reach out and seize the moment, then we're never going to find out that there may be something much different that we may enjoy much more that was trying to become part of our lives, and yet we were simply unwilling to change. And I've had these moments in my life, folks, when things have come around, I've thought, oh, I'll do that next time, but the next time has never come. And it's very important for people to see this, to realize that when these opportunities come, this is the universe reaching out to you, and very often it only happens once. And so it's up to you to recognize these chances when they come and to seize the moment when it's available to you. And really that's the moment that we are in as a species at the moment, folks. We are in the moment where freedom is within our grasp, but we have to step into the unknown in order to gain this freedom. In order to create this new pathway, we have to open the door and walk through, but we don't know what is on the other side, not yet. We're not going to know until we actually go through the doorway. But it's beckoning and it's giving us the opportunity that we've always wanted for freedom. If we can just put down our fear of the unknown and embrace it, then we can really make a difference. And I think that's what this time in history is, and I believe that is what we are being given these opportunities for. The problem, of course, is many people just can't see the opportunities. Many people don't understand the messages of the independent media. Many people don't really see the situation that we're in. Even with some of the stuff that I do on the shows, many people accuse me of fear-mongering. You know, you've got to know what a problem is before you can deal with the problem, and 
you have to understand a problem before you can provide solutions to the problem and yet if you discuss the problem you get accused of fear-mongering and of not providing solutions but as I said you have to understand the problem in order to develop any solutions for the problem to begin with so it's a fine line folks you've got to be able to bring information to people to alert them about what is going on in the world in order to seize the opportunities that this knowledge will provide for people and if people are going to call that fear-mongering well I guess they just would prefer to have their heads in the sand and pretend that the world is all good and that they can fix problems without first identifying what the problems actually are and I find this to be quite an intriguing mentality for many people to have developed but that seems to be what many people have done and of course there has been the infiltration into the resistance of the flat earth movement as well which has been a huge distraction for people and which has really served to discredit so much of the independent media one thing about it though folks it has certainly served to separate the wheat from the chaff because even though there are huge problems with the models that we're given there are also some very very huge problems with the models that are given to us by the flat earth community and when one looks at how quickly the flat earth movement achieved its online presence and how much money has been made from this movement and the fact that Obama even mentioned the flat earth three times in order to entice people to jump down the rabbit hole it's really interesting to see how many people have taken the bait and have jumped down into this concept that the earth is actually flat and folks, if you're being lured into any flat earth debates, and I would suggest that you don't even enter into them, but if you are being lured into them, a couple of questions you could ask the flat earthers are, why is it that when the 8 inches per mile squared formula is applied to line of sight, it produces a globe of around 5-10,000 miles in diameter? I mean, what is that supposed to be? Is that supposed to be what the earth is? Because I'm pretty sure it's not. And the question of astronomical telescopes with equatorial mounts folks if a astronomical telescope with an equatorial mount is aligned to the earth's north south polar axis in the northern hemisphere the alignment points to polaris and in the southern hemisphere it points to sigma octanus if one records a time lapse you will find that in the northern hemisphere the right ascension setting circle will be in positive degrees and in the southern hemisphere it will be in negative degrees so the telescope set up this way can attract the night sky as the earth rotates but if this same instrument was placed on a flat earth it simply would not function but on a sphere it does so ask the flat earth community to explain why an equatorial telescope works in both hemispheres on a sphere when the polar axis is referenced either north or south in fact can any flat earther care to explain how the south polar star sigma octanus can even exist on a flat earth model I would suggest that people ask those couple of questions to the flat earthers and perhaps even ask them to explain how shortwave radio works for us all that's sure to be an interesting conversation and see so the problem with flat earth theory is that it breaks down when one acknowledges the existence of sigma octanus it's like the big bang concept folks you know newtonian physics it all makes perfect sense until you get to the singularity till you get to the point where the big bang is actually supposed to have happened and then it all breaks down which 
completely negates all modern physics. It's the same with the flat earth theory, folks. You can offer as much proof as you want, but the fact that sigma octanus exists and there is a negative ascension in the southern hemisphere means the entire theory breaks down. Now, there's something going on with this Earth that is not what we are being told. Perhaps the planet is three times the size of what we're told it is. Who knows? Something is going on, and the Earth is not what we think it is. But the problem with the Flat Earthers is they're stonewalling of any questioning, and them locking themselves into a definite, saying that the Earth is definitely flat when there is the glaring question of Sigma Octanus, which causes the entire theory to break down. And this shows how little people are prepared to do their research and how little people are prepared to pay attention to details. Claiming a fact on something that has a glaring question sitting over its head is counterproductive, folks, much as the way people are claiming evolution is fact when there are glaring question marks over its head. It's virtually the same mentality we're seeing from the Flat Earthers. They're not seeing that, yes, there is something definitely going on, but there's a bigger picture that they're not seeing. And the problem is they're not prepared to look and they will only attack and belittle anybody who doesn't jump into their belief system. I actually feel very sorry for the Flat Earthers folks. I believe these people to be sheeple 2.0 being led to slaughter by certain individuals who are making a tidy little income for themselves along the way from people's gullibility. But then the Flat Earth Illuminati playing card did say that the Flat Earth would lead to a gold strike for those who played the card, after all, and I would suggest that it has certainly done that for some of the major players in this, what is most definitely a black op. And a very successful black op at that, though, I do believe the video figures to be inflated because YouTube does inflate and deflate figures all over the place. This is very well known. And as I said, the massive online presence so quickly and the attention that the mainstream and even Obama himself has given to this indicates very much this to be a black operation. And like I said, folks, just the equatorial telescope in itself, the fact that the telescope works just deflates the entire thing. It doesn't matter how much evidence the flat earth community presents to bamboozle the masses and how compelling a manner they package it. The fact that the equatorial telescope actually works effectively obliterates any so-called proofs that the flat earth community can put on the table. And all the claims of flights between Australia and South America being fake, folks, this was the clincher for me because I do these flights all the time. And even when I posted a video just to demonstrate to the Flat Earth community that no matter what research they're presenting, the concept that these flights are fake is disinformation. Even when I presented that video to them to show them, their only defense against that video was to call fake and accuse me of essentially having an airport set in my backyard and the money and finances and support to actually be able to fake a flight to South America. And that was their only defense, folks. So that was the clincher for me. That's when I knew that they had absolutely nothing to go on. And any real investigation into the Flat Earth movement clearly does demonstrate this to be the case, folks. The Flat Earth community is being led down the garden path. This is a black op that is being used to discredit the independent media and to siphon people off into a blind alley while the police state is ramping itself up and the final end game is being put into play around them. And that's what's happening, folks, because people are not listening. 
and people are attacking those who are trying to help them the most and people are distrusting everybody who isn't saying that the earth is flat when all this flat earth movement will probably end up doing folks is demonstrating to the world how easily people can be led by misinformation online and provide the government with a very, very viable opportunity and a very tangible reason why they need to control the internet, why they need to control the flow of information, why they need to approve what is posted and what isn't posted, and why we cannot have internet freedom the way it is, because look at what has happened to the world because we've allowed people to be so free. That's the way I believe this black hop is going to be played. That is what I believe its purpose is. And I think people really need to watch out how they are being led and to what sort of logical conclusion this pathway is going to come to. And I know I'll likely get a lot of hate mail from the Flat Earth community or from the CIA shells that are operating within the Flat Earth community and those drones that they have successfully programmed. But hey, I get all that sort of hate mail anyway. I get Flat Earthers still trolling my channel and trolling my videos anyway. So I really don't care at this point, folks. I just feel that I need to lay the cards on the table and speak my mind on this issue because it's been very sad to see how easily people have been distracted. And it's been very sobering to see how willing people are to allow a police state to be built around them while they're arguing over the shape of the construct that we are imprisoned in. It really has been fascinating to see how easily people can be distracted, how easily people can be led, and how unwilling people are to take responsibility for themselves. And I truly do believe that the Flat Earth movement has done an enormous amount of damage to the response to this system, and I firmly believe the main players, such as Eric Dubay, are either agents or victims of mind control. And of course, the fact that he has a shill list on his website and promotes a distrust of everybody that he possibly can, even other flat earthers, indicates a very, very high probability that Eric Dubay is himself a government agent. And anybody who's listened to the show for many years, folks, knows that I don't like to name names on this show. I don't like to point the finger at anybody. In fact, I'm now into my ninth year on air, and this is the first time that I have ever named someone directly. But really, when I see someone doing as much damage as this person has done and spreading as much misinformation and untruth as this man has done, there comes a time when one really has to speak up and say something. So just be careful where you're being led, ladies and gentlemen, and remember to keep an objective mind. Because like I said, even though there are many things wrong with the models we are given for what this Earth is and what our home is and what our space in the universe is, there are some huge problems with the flat Earth model as well. And there are certainly huge, huge problems with a person who is going out of their way to create as much distrust and division and animosity towards other researchers as possible. I have little doubt that much of the success that we have seen with the Flat Earth Movement can be attributed to astroturfing, but nonetheless, it still has driven a huge wedge into any response to this system. I would suggest that people who are involved in this research simply look a little deeper into what they are doing and never forget that all the world is a stage and anything major that happens on this world stage happens by design. And the effect that this research has had on 
the response to the system is something that people seriously should consider. But I think we've reached break time here, folks, so I'll leave it there for now and we'll go and have a break. Thank you for joining me on the air today and I'll speak to you again in a few minutes. Thanks for listening. Might be moving to Montana soon Just to raise me up a crop of dental floss Raising it up Waxing it down In a little white box that I can sell uptown Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. religious and medical views presented on various shows heard on American Voice Radio Network are not necessarily the views held by the management of American Voice Radio and are not presented as an endorsement by this network. All statements heard on American Voice Radio are the sole responsibility and opinion of those who speak the particular statement. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. So yeah, you 
might wonder why I have given any attention to this flat earth issue at all on the show today, folks. And the reason I have is because so many people have been siphoned off into this rabbit hole, which is essentially a rabbit hole of inaction. It's a rabbit hole which provides a false remedy to people. And also because, as I said earlier, every moment has value. And there is so much of humanity that is wasting so much of their time researching a non-issue and attempting to prove something that simply isn't real. And there are so many people wasting their time squabbling amongst each other. And the system has responded in an incredible way to this lull in the attention that it's been getting. You know, there were so many people that were giving attention to the system. There were so many people that were calling it out in so many ways. And now hundreds of thousands of these people are not doing that anymore. Now they're trying to convince everybody around them that the earth is flat. And by doing so, they are discrediting all of the information that they've previously brought to people. Like I said, folks, if you really want to find out if the earth is flat, pick up a telephone yourself and see if you can book a flight to South America from Australia. You'll find that you can. You'll find that you can do the flight in 11.5 hours, and you'll find that these flights happen every two days. If you really want to find out if the Earth is flat, get a telescope or even a camera and go to the equator and set up a time lapse. Focus your camera on Polaris in one direction and Sigma Octanus in the other and record it and have a look. You're going to see that it goes positive one way and negative the other. This could not happen if you did not live on a planet, ladies and gentlemen. There are so many people that are wasting so many moments of their life researching a non-event and discrediting themselves and discrediting the independent media along the way. And we are walking on a knife edge at the moment. You know, we've got a couple of warmongering psychopaths vying for office in the United States. We've got a census that is going to collect everybody's personal data and store it forever happening in Australia. We've got fascism openly coming online across Europe, across England, across Australia, across America. We've got Israel ramping up its fake war on terror. We've got people suffering crises all around the planet. And folks, 50% of the world, or at least over 50% of the world, doesn't even have the internet. And we're sitting here arguing over the shape of the construct and calling out anybody who isn't saying the earth is flat as being a government agent when it's the people who have instigated the entire flat earth movement who are the government agents, ladies and gentlemen. Think about it. All the world is a stage, and there is nothing that takes off the way this does. There is nothing that gets mentioned by the mainstream and by Obama, which is not being mentioned by design, which is not a black op, which is not being used as bait to entice people down this rabbit hole, just to distract them at an incredibly crucial time. And every moment has value, ladies and gentlemen, and people simply aren't seeing the value of the moments in their lives. They're wasting them on this topic. As I said, folks, I'm just surprised at how easily the people are led. You know, there's so much wrong with what we are given about our history and about this earth, about everything that we're told. There's so many things wrong with it. Years ago, I put out a book called Earth's Forbidden Secrets. In chapter two of that book, Riddles from the Past, I went through a whole selection of upas, out-of-place artifacts, things that simply should not belong in history, and yet they do. You know, there's evidence to suggest that mankind has been around on this earth in some form or another for 
millions of years, ladies and gentlemen. There's evidence to suggest that nothing that we're told about history is true. But anyone who claims that they really know the truth is pulling your leg and is leading you down the garden path. And anybody who claims fact on just about anything to do with the reality that we inhabit is a fool. Because without establishing freedom, we're never going to know what's going on. You, know, you can claim the Earth is flat, you can claim it's a globe, you can claim it's convex, you can claim it's concave, hollow, whatever you want, and you can argue about it for the next hundred years. It won't make any difference to the fact that the Earth is being destroyed around us. It's being strip-mined, it's being obliterated right beneath our feet and before our eyes. Back in 2009 in my film, The Awakening, I asked the question, how do we ever let it get this far? And why is our Earth being strip-mined? And it's still happening, folks. We're being distracted with politics, with war, with fighting amongst ourselves, humanitarian issues, everything they can do to keep us squabbling, to keep us fighting. And you sure, I address a lot of these issues. I talk about Palestine all the time because Palestine provides a legal key that we can use to rein this entire criminal cacastrocracy in, establish some form of freedom and actually find out what's going on. And people seem to forget that. Even with all the rabbit holes you go down, let's say the Earth is flat. What's it going to do if you find this out? You go down this rabbit hole and you discover the Earth's flat. Okay, so now what? You're still a slave. You're still imprisoned. You put the cart before the horse. You didn't establish freedom so that when you got the knowledge, you had something to actually do with it. Because even if the Earth did turn out to be flat, okay, now you've discovered it's flat. What are you going to do? You can't do anything because you're not free yet. And that's where the focus needs to be. You know, all these rabbit holes and all these theories and all of these directions we keep getting led. You know, it's all about division. It's all about distrust. It's all about pitting people against each other. And it's all about ensuring that people never face the power in themselves and never turn and face this system from an empowered state. You know, if we were to do that, we could change things, folks. And we're just not doing it because of all these rabbit holes that are being led down and all these agents that have infiltrated into this movement. And yeah, it gets frustrating. It gets frustrating how willing people are to close their mind, folks. And I'll tell you, anybody who is claiming fact on Flat Earth and is accusing people who don't agree the Earth is flat as being government shills are the most utter, ridiculously programmed fools I have ever come across. They are complete and utter idiots. I'm surprised these people are able to make it through a normal day without help. And I just wish they would take their blinkers off and think a little more clearly and look at things from a little bit more of a wider perspective instead of enforcing their little boxed view of reality on people who choose to think objectively. You know, I've always said, folks, way back from the beginning, and I even mentioned it in my film, The Awakening, that I believe reality to be fractal. I believe this to be a fractal universe. I believe that it is all as above, so below. And no, I don't think that is satanic teachings. I think the people who believe that sort of concept is satanic teaching are, again, programmed fools who've been programmed by their religious terms. I think all religions are fiction, and I think that... These are doctrines that have been used to lead people down blind alleys, regardless of the religion. I think they're all misinformation, every single one of them. But I believe reality to be fractal, as above, so below. And that is through my own meditation experiences, experiences that I've had in ceremony, and just things that have happened in my life.
Now, the other day I watched a really interesting documentary. Actually, it was yesterday. I watched a very interesting documentary on YouTube entitled There Are No Forests on a Flat Earth. And no, folks, I'm not suggesting the earth is flat and neither is the person who made the documentary. And the person was simply pointing out the irrelevance of arguing over the shape of the construct while the construct is being destroyed and strip-mined around us. It was quite a fascinating documentary, folks, and I recommend that people watch it. I'll put it as a link in the YouTube version of this radio show. I'll put the video in the description as a link. And I recommend that people watch it. The narrator, his first language appears to be Russian or Ukrainian or something, but English is not his first language, and so it's a little bit difficult to listen to. But it really is a fascinating theory about what is actually going on on this earth and about the fractal nature of reality. It's very confronting for a lot of people. The information will be very, very challenging. And I'm not saying that it's true. I'm not saying it's correct. But it really does provide a possible scenario which very much confirms a lot of the research that I've done over my life. Because as I said earlier, I've, I've found so many out-of-place artifacts on this earth and it can be virtually proven that humanity has been here for millions upon millions of years and nothing that we're being told about history is true and in fact the earth is a very very different realm to what we're told that it is so i find this to be a fascinating film and folks look the problem that i have with flat earth research is as i said before the stone wall attitude of these people and their claiming of definite and fact upon unproven theories because that is what makes it counterproductive that is what turns it into an argument that is what turns it into something confrontational even when i went on that Globusters debacle that was a complete hijack. I actually got promised before I went on the interview that we were not going to discuss the shape of the construct, we were going to discuss the psychological aspects. And then as soon as I got on the show, these announcers who obviously had absolutely zero integrity completely turned it around and turned it into a debate about the shape of the construct, which was something we had agreed we were not going to talk about, which is why I really have no faith or trust in these people, folks. But that's what I tried to point out to them on the show, was that the problem is not that you're conducting flat earth research. The problem is the stonewall attitude that you're having and the way you are presenting unproven conjecture and claiming it as fact, which is an argumentative way to present something and a completely counterproductive way to present information. It simply closes people off rather than opening up the topic for discussion. And that's the way the flat earth movement's been played, folks. It's been played in such a way as to create argument and not discussion. And that is because of the brain-dead, utterly stupid programmed drones who are accusing everyone who disagrees with them or questions them as being a government shill exactly like they're programmed to do. These people are either CIA agents or just programmed fools, folks. And that's the problem with this movement, why it has not been able to be discussed with people. And folks, there is something very strange going on on this earth, but it's not flat, it can't be. It must be something that rotates. It is definitely spinning on an axis because if it wasn't, then you would not be able to get time lapses of Polaris and Sigma Octanus going in opposite directions, and you can. So that means it rotates on an axis and that's it. There's no longer any debate needed on that point. But that certainly doesn't mean NASA is correct. In fact, I think NASA is completely full of it, and 90% of mainstream science is theory and conjecture. But you've got to be able to discuss these things, folks, and not claim definites on anything.
because to claim a definite on any of these issues before you've got the freedom to actually confirm it is the act of a fool. You know, in our attempts to find out what's actually going on here, how we got to this point, what this Earth is and what our space in the universe is, and to find out exactly what's going on, we've got to be able to put down our stuff with each other and be able to discuss things, folks. This is something that I've been saying on air for almost nine years now. If we could just put down our stuff and open things up for discussion without attacking each other, we might actually get somewhere. Now, this Earth is very different. This reality is very, very different to what people believe it is. I've often put forth the concept that it's a hologram simply because of the fractal nature of reality because of the fractals that I've perceived through my own experiences. But what is really going on, folks? Has this Earth been invaded? Was it invaded long ago? Think about the film Avatar. Imagine if that was a reality and we are actually on that planet. We are on Pandora or whatever it was called in that film. Imagine if that is what the Earth is, only the mining operations weren't dispelled by the local population, the miners actually succeeded in taking over the planet and in strip mining it. Imagine if there were actually giant forests here and the planet has already been mined, it's already been stripped bare and that we are simply the ants running around in the grass that's left on the ground. When you look at the genetics of this planet, you look at the species that exist on this planet, it's really hard to figure out where the white people came from. And hey, that's me, I'm a white person, but it's hard to figure out where we came from. And sure, we've had a lot of technology, we've brought a lot of good stuff to this world, the white people, but we've also done a lot of damage. What if the white people are the invaders? What if the white people are those who came to this realm to strip mine it and are the worker race that we hear about that was constructed by the gods or whatever. I mean, there's all sorts of possibilities of what's going on here, folks. But what if the scenario presented in Avatar was actually real? Only we are at the very end of that cycle now. And what we're seeing left on this earth is the cleaning up of the last few bits of minerals that are left, the last few bits of energy that can be harvested from this place before it's left as a barren rock. Hey, is it true? I don't know. Is it a possibility? Well, of course, it's a possibility. Everything is a possibility. And what we need is the freedom to discuss these things so we can find out what's actually going on. You know, we could fix the situation that we're in, folks. We could actually figure out what's going on if we would just take the time to respect each other, put down our stuff, stop accusing each other of being agents and shills, stop listening to the real agents and shills and start actually cooperating with each other a little bit. I think we might actually be able to get to the bottom of this, folks. But until we can do that and put down all that stuff and stop all these accusations, it's just not going to happen. For my part, as I said, I would suggest that this is a fractal universe, an energetic universe, and I would suggest that this planet was invaded long ago and that it's been strip mined for centuries upon centuries. And if you listen back to my films and my radio shows over the years, I'm sure that if you listen carefully and read between the lines, you'll hear that I've been suggesting this for quite a long time. 
only I've been leaving it open because I would like people to just look at things objectively and make their minds up. But I would suggest that this planet has been invaded and has been strip-mined, as I said, for many, many centuries. I would suggest that these mining operations are conducted from the moon, or at least the moon is an observation platform of some kind, and that the resources are being funneled elsewhere, to places we know not of where. And I know that probably seems a little out there to people, but after 30 or 40 years of research, that's just what I've come up with as the most likely scenario. Hey, is it true? I don't know. It's a possibility. It's a perspective. Because that is all I have to offer you is my perspective, the same as everybody else. That's all people can ever give you, folks, is their perspective based on the information they've looked at and the conclusions that they've come to. But it doesn't mean any of it is true. And if people are not willing to open up the discussion with other people and listen to other perspectives, then we're never going to get anywhere. And that has been the problem with this entire flat earth black op. And yes, folks, I am absolutely convinced it's a black op. As I said, the earth is very different to what we're told it is. There's something very strange going on here and nothing is the way it seems. But it's people's claiming of definites and going at loggerheads with each other in arguments that lead nowhere which is causing so much damage to any response to this system and so much of an obstacle to discovering what the real truth is. And I just hope that people can open their minds a little bit and start looking at things a little bit more objectively and start respecting people and realizing that if we do cooperate and open things up for discussion, we can find out what's going on. And I have no doubt so we can find a way out of this mess. But all I can do is present my perspective and offer suggestions and hope that people consider these as something viable and something that we may achieve together. You know, I've been fast losing hope for this species, folks. I really have, simply because of our unwillingness to cooperate with each other and our unwillingness to stop complying with this system. I mean, even if what I've put forth is true, even if the earth is flat, if whatever is true, the only way we are ever going to rein this system back under control is to just down tools and stop participating in what these psychopaths that are running this slavery system are demanding we do. Don't go to work, folks. Don't indulge in activity that causes harm, injury or death. Don't indulge in mining activities. If you're a soldier, put your gun down and go home. Just quit a whole lot. Just quit. You're working for a criminal cabal. You're going out and murdering people for bankers. Quit. You know, non-compliance could change everything and non-compliance could open up this Pandora's box for us and allow us to actually discover the truth and figure out what's going on. And until we do that, the arguments are just going to lead nowhere. All they're going to do is continue to create division, to continue to pit people against each other, and to keep people distracted from what is going on around them. And like I said, folks, I'm sure I'm bound to get some hate mail from Flat Earthers for this show. I'm sure I'm bound to get some hate mail from Mr. Dubai's supporters. But I firmly believe Dubai to be an agent because no one opens up a shill list of people he's never met and attempts to destroy their lives who is not a sociopath or someone working for the government folks so this man is very very suspect 
And ask your own questions to the Flat Earthers, folks. Ask questions to anybody who is claiming definite on a theory. Ask questions to anybody who cannot explain the existence of a Sigma Octanus and ask why they are not prepared to discuss things openly and intelligently with people rather than simply forcing their boxed view of reality down their throats and calling them a government agent if they don't conform. People who are doing this are the agents themselves, folks, and there is certainly a number of them in the Flat Earth community. You know, we've got so much information being laid on the table now, folks. One thing I'll say for the Flat Earth movement is it has at least alerted people to the fact that there's something terribly wrong with science and there's something terribly wrong with the models we're given for Earth. If they weren't claiming definites on the flat issue in the glaring face of Sigma Octanus and actually just suggesting a possibility that things are different to what we're being told and opening up for discussion, then we can actually cooperate in our discussions and we could put all the theories on the table and we could actually get somewhere. You know, a few months ago I put out a show, I said in a show anyway, that nobody really knows anything. And the reason I said that was because nobody does, folks. We're still trying to figure out what's going on. There are many people who have many ideas and many of these ideas may well be valid and may well hold the answers. But until we're prepared to look at all of them and open things up and look at it objectively and cooperatively and intelligently and respectfully, we're not going to get anywhere. Now, if the Flat Earth Movement can just put down all their hatred and all their accusations and all their claiming of definites on conjecture and act intelligently and respectfully, we may actually be able to shift things with the unity that the Flat Earth Movement has created within itself. The Flat Earthers just have to realize that there are agents in amongst them who are controlling their mindset and who are making it into an argument rather than a discussion. And people have to be so careful of how they are being led. All the world is indeed a stage, ladies and gentlemen, and nothing is the way you think it is. And as I've often said about the only thing you can really be sure of is how much you really don't know. But we are on the verge of finding out what actually is if we can just put down our stuff and cooperate with each other. Now, there are a lot of minds out there, a lot of intelligent people that have a lot of good things to offer. There's been a lot of people who have done what they can to make a difference in this system, to awaken human consciousness to their possibility and to alert them to the fact that we are in serious trouble due to the criminal cabal that has taken control of this system and the damage they are doing both to ourselves and to our environment. And we have a real opportunity to rectify this situation, folks, if we can just cooperate with each other and realize that we have to stop complying with this system. If we do that, we can change the world in a day and we can actually get to the bottom of what is going on here, folks. You know, humankind has to learn to cooperate with each other. We really do. We've got to realize that we're facing a common foe here, folks, and the future that we are allowing to be created by these continued arguments we lock ourselves into is not going to be a system that we want to live in. In fact, I think it's a system that they need to create simply to control the last of the mining operations. And I think that if we want to survive on this earth, then we really do need to put our stuff down with each other and pay attention. 
But look, I think we're getting very close to the end of the show here, folks. I know I've probably offended a lot of people on this show, but I really hope people will listen to what I've said and just consider the possibility that you're actually being led and consider the possibility of what sort of a future we could create were we to cooperate. Now, folks, I'm going to have to take a little bit of time off the shows. I wanted to keep the shows going regularly, but... I'm realizing that I just can't keep doing the radio shows if I'm going to concentrate on making the film. I need to put my energy into the film. I can't keep stopping and making a one-hour video clip every week if I'm trying to make a film. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to reduce the shows down to once a month from this point because I really do want to get this film finished by the end of the year and actually a lot of what I've spoken about in the show today is going to be included in the film so there's a lot that I want to get done so I'm going to reduce the shows down to once a month probably until the end of the year or at least until I've made some sort of progression on this film that I want to work on so I will probably be back on the air next week but then I probably won't back on for another month so I just thought I'd let you know that now. Thank you to anybody who has ever supported the website. Thank you to all those people who are contributing to the Patreon account. It really is very much needed, folks, so thank you for that. But I will have to go now, folks, and I will look forward to speaking to you again next week, so please take very good care until then. In La Keshe, my friends. In La Keshe. It wasn't very large. There was just enough room to cram the drums in the corner over by the dodge. It was a 54 with a mashed-up door and a cheesy little amp. The sign on the front said Fender Champ and a second hand guitar. It was a Stratocaster with a whammy bar. We could jam in Joe's garage. His mama was screaming, Turn it down! We were playing the same old song in the afternoon. And sometimes we were playing all night long. It was all we knew. I would like to tell you about the only truly natural dog and cat food I have found anywhere. Most all companies add a synthetic vitamin mineral pack to their dry or kibble food. Nature's logic is different. With all natural ingredients and nothing man-made added, their owner, Scott Freeman, worked for another pet food company but decided he wanted to do things right. So he started Nature's Logic. You can check them out at naturelogic.com. You will find online and local stores where you can find their products. I spent a lot of time trying to find an all-natural pet food and Nature's Logic.